Pro wrestling. To the uninitiated, it's oddly popular play fighting. Oddly popular play fighting that can be a little gay. But to those who know it and love it, pro wrestling is the epitome of the dramatic struggle inherent in competition, sports, and our everyday lives while still being a little gay. But if you ask me, it's not the matches that make wrestling as awesome as it is. Sure, they're probably the most important aspect, but if that's all that mattered, then Ring of Honor would have been the number one wrestling organization in the world 20 fucking years ago. No, it's the stories. And more specifically, the feuds. The rivalries between men and women which transcend normal disagreements and make that inevitable encounter that much more anticipated. Maybe a guy was being racist and then smashed a dude with a coconut. Maybe a dude accused another dude of having sex with his dead girlfriend and then simulated that sex act on national TV. Maybe it's just about Japanese shampoo. Who cares? We fucking care. Because today we're going to break down our favorite rivalries across the history of sports entertainment. It's our favorite wrestling feuds. This week on Nothing Good. Gentlemen, we have made it. Episode, what is this? 49. 49. 49. I cannot believe. <laughs> nice. I can't believe that we've been able to do this. Now, about to be 49 different times, not mm -hmm. counting the wonderful yoga experience in Master Fat Theater, mm -hmm. uh, which mm -hmm. I hope everybody's been enjoying. Uh, the off-brand humor. I've been uh, enjoying it. Yeah, typically, uh, when we take a week off and leave Noah to his own devices <laughs> we end up with said yoga and said master fab theater which we don't feel bad for at all we're, no. we're happy that everyone else gets to experience it the same way that we do you know what's great yes. about about nothing good yoga is that was like the fourth idea noah had <laughs> <laughs> it was it really was <laughs> i make no apologies listen dear sweet listener i look for any opportunity to sexually assault you via audio airwaves and um i'm gonna do it and i'm gonna keep doing it Every week. And we're here for it. Guys, I have a fucking announcement. Hmm. I just realized I dropped the fucking ball today. So, dear sweet listener, I was at a wedding shower earlier today. Yes, I was at a wedding shower. It was a combo. You know, everybody invited kind of a deal. And as a handout, as you were leaving the wedding shower, they gave you a succulent that I named Peru. Are you serious? Mm. I'm not fucking joking. <laughs> and I meant That's to incredible. fucking bring it. That's amazing. And I forgot it at the house. That's uh, a shame. Yeah. I forgive you, but that's awesome. Wait, wait, now, Succulent Peru is the band. Yes, yeah. Succulent Peru is the band. So can, that, Opens for can the Succulent be just the logo for the band? It, it is now. Yeah. That should be on a shirt. It is now. Of Speaking sort. of shirt, yeah, the, the Succulent Peru World Tour shirt is available <laughs> on our merchandise <laughs> on store. store. Yes. None of you have bought it yet, but we'll get <laughs> it's there. there. It's, it's there for there. you to stare at. So at this at this um, wedding shower, in which there were a number of my coworkers, including my boss boss, was there. I had to explain to everybody why I was going to name the succulent Peru. 
that was an experience. That's that sounds. Good. That was. That's like all of a sudden. I can like, imagine. Yeah. They're like, oh, we can't, we can't put this on his employee review, but we should have. So, gentlemen, we're here to talk about our favorite feuds of all time, mm-hmm. which I'm real excited about. Mm. But I'm even more excited about talking about what we're drinking today. Mm. Mr. Brown, what you pounding? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, oh, isn't that the question of the day? Uh, so, I am drinking a, a Mandarin and Mango Crush from Dogfish Head. It is deliciously crisp and citrusy. Sounds really good. It is. It is quite tasty. And he was nice enough to share. Uh, so the rest of us, with the exception of Doc, is also drinking mm. Mandarin and Mango Crush. Mm-hmm. According to the label, it's a crush cocktail reimagined into a citrusy sipper brewed with mandarin oranges and mangoes. Yeah, it is quite refreshing. And it delivers. It is. It is. It is quite refreshing. It is a good summertime beer as we are moving into the official like start of summer. Yep. You know? Yeah. So it is a good beer for the end of June when it's when it's still decent enough to be outside. Yes. Yeah. But not yes. uh, not too sweltering to wonder how much ass is going to be swamped. <laughs> it's uh, already begun. We <laughs> well, I mean, I think my ass was swampy when you guys had me abducted in your basement for about four weeks when, you, when I first started <laughs> recording podcasts. Yeah, that was in the fall. <laughs> when you, when you, <laughs> was, when you passed out due to loss of fluids, I sponged you down there just to keep you moist. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Stock, what are you drinking? Stock, what are you drinking? Uh, yeah, how about that? Uh, I'm <laughs> drinking uh, from, uh, good question, the Equilibrium Brewery Wavelength. And I, it's, a, it's an IPA, and I'm drinking it because there are certain individuals here who take trips across the spectrum of madness, man. And they, they go and they crush Hulkamania, and they crush the Hulkamaniacs, and they feel the wrath. They feel the madness and the colors and the feelings, man. And, and so it's a kind of a macho man deal, you know. When the mega powers, before they imploded, when they came together, people could taste colors. <laughs> that was According to them, or they were tasting coke. I'm not sure what they were tasting. But yeah, I'm drinking a little. It's called Wavelength. It's, it's really good. Uh, I don't really know how, any other way to explain it, it but it, it's good. My favorite yeah, part. It sounds good. great. <laughs> My favorite part of your Randy Savage impersonation is what the audience didn't, couldn't see. It's that you did the handshake, dude. You gotta do it, man. Handshake in there. They, they oh. and then like they basically oh. like I don't know. They orgasmed together a little bit. They, <laughs> they shook cu- hands. They docked. It was they the first on record <laughs> of docking. It was. <laughs> it's like terrible. I remember like when I I remember seeing that the handshake and everything, and and it was like that time when you were, we were the Catalina wine mixer, when when. You know, Adam Scott and Will Ferrell are gonna hug each other. They just don't quite know how to do it. <laughs> and that's the same kind of a thing when, like, Hulk and Macho Man were trying to get that handshake in, and just, you know, just how long it took to kind of get it in there. Get in there, man. Oh yeah. But maybe, when they got in there, we all felt. Oh, they we, all, to, yeah. we all did. Maybe the I was cocaine, born that day. <laughs> maybe the cocaine like makes your fingers into like cocaine magnets. You know, where two magnets can't touch, they keep going off to the side. Maybe that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but we are talking about our favorite wrestling feuds, everybody. And uh, before we get into the feuds we want to talk about, I think there's some important questions that you asked everybody. You know, mm. and, uh, and, oh yeah, right off the know. top, uh, I'm just gonna put this so we can think about it. If you haven't already thought about it, as we kind of discuss, because your your answer may change as we discuss things. If you could pick <clears throat> any two particular uh, professional wrestlers uh, throughout time doesn't matter what time period tag teams singles male or female 
and put them in a feud together. What would that feud? Who would those two people be, or two teams, or whatever it be? I think uh, I already know who I think, but I'm gonna kind of leave that to a little we'll bit save later. Save it to the end. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I think if you had a dream matchup, because honestly, and this leads to my next question, but you know, it's not so much about oh, who would have the best match. Well, Bret Hart and Daniel Bryan have an excellent match. I mean, yeah, but that, that's gotta be almost yeah. everybody's what the story answer. Really be, right? Story. At what stage would you pick Daniel Bryan? Mm-hmm. Right? At what stage would you pick Bret Hart? There's a difference. Yeah. See, there's I, I I that was the thing that I was really cognizant of when you asked that question about what stage yeah, of their you, career exactly. would you want those guys to work? Because you can sit there and you know there there are some feuds that we have seen when the guys were in their twenties that maybe we'd want to see again when they're in their thirties that maybe we weren't able to get because mm-hmm. wrestlers moved on, wrestlers got injured. Maybe some wrestlers, unfortunately, passed away too untimely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that really plays an important part in that question. Yeah, is exactly sure. when. Yeah, so that's that's the biggest part. So, yeah. yeah, you know, think about it, whatever. But this leads to my, the first real question we can really talk about, you yeah. know, is I think, in theory, all of our answers will be kind of the same, but maybe slightly different. Uh, to you, individually, what makes a great feud? Not a good feud, a great feud. Because there is a big... Listen, wrestling, wrestling history is filled with... Uh, good feuds somewhat memorable i mean you watch any particular tv show at any given night and it's filled with nothing but feuds yeah but what makes a great feud yeah what's the one you're gonna remember mac what do you think to you makes a great professional wrestling feud for you so the the first thing that i always think about when we talk about what makes a great feud is i think time Mm -hmm. i think that's one of the most important things that when you kind of look back on some of the iconic feuds in wrestling history you look at the history of those wrestlers together. And I think the longer that wrestlers have an opportunity to kind of work together, mm-hmm. kind of dip in and out of the feuds, you know, they're they're on the same side, they're tag teams, maybe they break up. You've got r- matches over years where there are circumstances that constantly bring them back together. Those are the feuds that I remember most. It's just, and I, I think when you have guys, and this is some of the things, and we talked about this a lot too as wrestling fans, as they, uh, you know, uh, Sturgis just drives by. <laughs> Hog uh, wild, road wild. 1997. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Bishop. <laughs> Keep going. We always, we have this thing that comes up at WrestleMania every year where it's like, okay, we're three weeks to Mania and five really important wrestlers don't have a match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we have to put somebody together with Seth Rollins and hope that it works. Mm-hmm. And you hope that it, but they didn't take... They're not going back to a match that happened in May or June of last year that has kind of cycled through or maybe kind of come back where so-and-so remembers what that guy did to them in that match that screwed them. And he's just, you know, you need I think you need to have that kind of time because I think when you have investment as a viewer, you want that feud and you'll you'll ride that feud for a long time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do want to bring up, because it's not going to be on anybody's list, because I know everybody's list, but the only clear-cut example I can I can remember to myself of a people that don't have a match for Mania four weeks ago that they actually said, hey, remember way back when, is when Randy Orton wrestled CM Punk at oh, WrestleMania, and they're like, hey, I... remember six years ago when uh, Randy Orton cost CM Punk 
uh, with long hair, the world title, yep. at, a, at a scramble and Unforgiven, Punk remembers, and now they're fighting him out of the WrestleMania. It's like, okay, shit, okay. That's, That's a good yeah, point. Just way to throw it back, yeah. yeah. But, you know, talking about how WrestleMania can do that, you know, an example of WrestleMania starting the feud... That I and that's the one that I've been most interested in right now has been Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's been phenomenal to watch. And of course, you know, obviously you couldn't do anything with Cody and Seth prior to Cody signing, and mm-hmm. then of course they started Mania. But they were smart to not let that be a one-off match. They were smart to kind of let that keep carrying. Yeah, you know, and I really want to, and I've been really enjoying. I mean, it's no secret that I was not a huge Cody Rhodes fan in the day, like way back. I just, I mean, he's, I mean, he was, he's a good talent. You know, a good hand, as they say, but nothing special. Uh, but the man, didn't, but I really man didn't wear knee pads back in I the day. Really, it's still dangerous. It bothered, it was, it the, bothered hell out of the me. shit out of you, man. Every it, time we would watch it, a match, yeah. when Cody like, was first that? coming up Lots with uh, Dean like Jr. Yeah, um, but to watch him, you know, because, and I really started really digging him with like you know like the 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 the. the the Dash and Cody Rose where he was like his face was, was destroyed but it wasn't really it was all in his head not really him the character growing and then him you know Stardust really dug that and then him going away and becoming his own man there's a saying that old timers have that sometimes you just gotta go away and learn a new hold mm-hmm. and come back uh, and, and these days you can't really do that there's nowhere to really go the way it was in the territory days yeah. you know back in the day you had you know you go to and somewhere in the NWA the AWA you go um you know, you can go down you know, Georgia, uh, Georgia, you can go Florida, Continental. You, there's a, work a bunch of places you can go and learn new Marry things. Marry one of his daughters. And yeah. Go to Japan. You could, Yeah. Go yeah, to exactly. Mexico. Go, go north, go to Canada. There's a bunch of places you could go and learn a new hold. And so people can't get tired of you. You know, but the Vince McMahon and company have seen that that's not a thing anymore. But Cody Rose was able to do that. Uh, and, and increases equity, increases value, and has become such a big star. And watching him have such great matches, and then with the whole injury and him still performing on the level that he did in a great match. It's yeah. unreal. Even um, with his stupid neck tattoo. No, oh, the yeah. stupidest neck tattoo. If it tattoo. ain't the knee pads. Cody's <laughs> <laughs> neck he, tattoo. I mean, and I'm gonna, I'm, uh, I'm gonna try my hardest not to take the piss out of Cody Rhodes, because he's, this last couple of months has done nothing but impress me. Yeah. And making me change my tune about him. But he's still gotta do something to fucking piss you off about himself. He's just like, because he takes himself so serious all the time. And I don't know how somebody could get up in the morning, roll off of their hot wife into a pile of money, look in the mirror and go, you know what I need? A stupid fucking neck tattoo. Do you know why? It looks you like need- I got out of a quarter machine at a, <laughs> at a mall. You need that stupid fucking neck tattoo because of who your father is. Yeah. And there's never, you will, if you're Cody Rhodes, that is the, I mean, there is there a wrestler that has ever had to wrestle in a bigger shadow than he does in the history of wrestling? Not yet. I Charlotte. Mean, yeah, but Charlotte though... Because, she has the album because she's in a whole, she's in a different gender. She's in a different, yeah. Oh, but because, I mean, yeah. I, I just mean in terms yeah. of like, yes. like who's like, your dad yeah, again? Yeah. Oh, the greatest oh, yeah. of all time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, no, yeah. It, it, but I, Dusty Rhodes is more universe. I think universally beloved than Ric Flair. Oh, I mean, what, what, I mean yeah. when you talk about beloved, I mean just in yeah. ring ability and just a oh, legacy. I mean, and no disrespect to Charlotte, and no disrespect to Ric Flair. That's a whole separate conversation for a separate another day because that is they are two different styles of competitor. So they they don't get but the American Dream didn't he had two things going for him. One he had the promo and that was his main thing and that's all it is. Uh, and two he had that thing 
that not very many people ever have had, which is believable baby fat face comeback fire. <laughs> did you say baby fat? He did say baby fat. <laughs> I did like, <laughs> believable baby fat. Baby fat. Yes. Yeah, believable. I mean, it was yeah, very believable. He just never let it. He never let it. He Yeah, he kept it in a jar when he got skinny as, as he got older. But no, it, but I mean, that's that real comeback, right? So it's an honest to God baby face fire and uh, the promo skills. And that's all you needed. No, Cody's got more than that in his tank. But yeah, it's a big hurdle to overcome. Mm. Plus, you know, Cody wants what his dad never had. Yeah. Such a and, good story. And that's yeah. what and, and, and that's what wrestling fucking needs right now. Is that there aren't enough good stories. And I say because we kind of go into the conversation we're gonna have here today about feuds, they all have a good story, don't they? Oh yeah, yeah. the the big thing about feuds is so we have these guys who are super talented. They they have larger than life egos and characters, but they can't get to the top by themselves. No. Like, can't do it. Nope. It takes two to tango. And without a good story, you're not going to get the momentum. You're not going to get the love and the buy-in from the crowd that you need right. to to elevate from you know here to here. And that I mean, being able to have that with the guys who are on our list that we're going to go through here in a few minutes, like that's what that's what wrestling fans yearn for. Yeah. Right. You're right. I think uh, for me, a great feud, uh, and and again, it kind of. It kind of leads back to the, the, the feuds on my list. But to me, to me personally, as a fan, what makes a feud great and not just good uh, is there has to be equal parts a personal issue and a professional issue, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be. There has to be personal stakes and professional stakes, right? So, I mean, but sometimes you can get away with, no, you don't have to One have a personal other. stake, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Hogan and Warrior, for example, were two baby faces who didn't necessarily dislike each other. They didn't get along necessarily, but it was a, it was like, but the reason they had their issue was the heavyweight title. Yeah, and I'm going to go on and say, but I would not call that a feud. I'd call that a, a match and a program, but not a feud. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean that's fair, but there was a lead up to it. There was, yeah, there was yeah. that. To, so to me, and to me, that's a feud. Like it's like they weren't shaking hands and hugging each other all the way up to the match. No. You know what I mean? So to me, that that's but that's a good point. No, yeah, that's you know a fair point. Yeah. And 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 conversely, on the other side of the coin, you can have a situation where there are two wrestlers who don't necessarily have a clear personal issue, in so much as one has the personal issue, but there is the professional issue. So Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels back in '96, they weren't buddies, but they didn't dislike each other. There was a little tension, but they weren't getting into shoving fights every single chance they got. But the issue was, Brett was the champion, Sean wanted to be the champion. But the per- personal issue, which I thought was really cool, is Sean's The Boyhood Dream. That was his personal issue. Brett was in the way of that personal issue, which then made it a personal issue for Brett. You know? It's interesting. You just named two things. That the, the first instance of those two coming together, Hogan Warrior and Michael's Bret Hart, I would not call a few for the first part of their thing. I would call the match. But both of those things later had clear-cut became feuds. Became great yeah. feuds. Became great feuds because of that initial send-off. Yeah, so really, that over time. where a, a, a run-in or a backstage assault or a personal program is the start for a lot of the feuds on this list that we got, uh, those started with a match of two baby faces against each other and ended up being fucking yeah. shenanigans. But yeah, I think that, that to me is what a real feud is. It has to have a personal and a professional stake involved that the two or multiple participants can elevate uh, mm-hmm. and, and make it their own. They can chew on. Um, but what about you? 
It's Cabral. So that's really a good thing. What makes a, a, a feud, a good feud, and a great feud? For me personally, I would go in A and B. A uh, is w- what you're enjoying in the middle of. It's the build-up to the orgasm, right? And I think it's the promo. I think you can. we've proven that you can have a program by two guys that aren't great workers, right? Or even good workers. But as long as the, the, the promo, either through someone cutting a straight-up interview or just enough heat generated through attacks... Or going to someone's house and throwing them through the window. Anything like that, right? That builds up that shit. And that's what you want to see. Because if it was just guy fights here, then they're going to rematch again. Then they're going to rematch again. And not much happens in between. Then it's a series of matches. Did anybody else get a visual in their head like I did when Noah said, you know, the build up to the orgasm of just Noah with two battery clamps on his nipples? Just like, fucking charge me. No, but I do now. Or on the testicles. Because earlier in my intro, I almost made a reference to Kane shocking the nuts of Shane McMahon. Which I've never been able (laughs) to unsee. Uh, but to me, it's honestly, here's the one thing that I think you can uh, put on all of our feuds that we're going to show up today is the payoff. We remember, the, uh, lots of things are fun while they're happening. And then afterward, you're like, oh, it's like, like busted night. You're like, I don't know what I was so worked up about. Right? <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. But, but, but like, it's the great lay, it's the great blow-offs that are excellent. Now, for example, I think, you know, I'm not trying to name, I'm trying to purposely pick things that I know are not in any of our lists, right? It's very difficult. Because, spoiler alert for a few minutes, we got some good ones. We do have here, some good ones. Right? Yep. But, like, it's the it's the idea that these things, like, here's a great example, uh, Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle, right? Now, that match built up, starting at a Rumble, and the really, Act 1 ends at WrestleMania, one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. But the match, do you remember what the last match in the feud of that program is nope nobody no, does do you because the build-up was great but you're like well puttering out the finish right but i mean uh you could there's a lot of other stuff i'm trying like because almost everything else i have a name shows up on our list right but uh i mean here's a name that we very seldom mention and we'll probably never ever mention again but the triple h and benoit feud in the triple h benoit Shawn michaels mm. storyline do right? we you have I mean? to every time you say benoit on the podcast we actually have to like edit it out afterwards no no what's it this isn't the 2008 right okay we're all right. podcasts all over the place let's talk about chris benoit i do have an honorable i do have a mention of chris benoit as a part of my feud because he did just fucking dip his toe into it briefly just briefly just, just briefly just for just a, a tip just to just see how, see how it feels. feels we're gonna promise to try to not make any references to that at any time so before my brain makes me do something I'm going to regret and have to edit this, Jeff, what is your thing that makes a wrestling feud from good to great? Yeah, I think uh, there, there's several layers. Two, you have to have two guys that you mm, care about. Layers. Uh, from a fan perspective that you, maybe you like one, maybe you like the other, but you have to have some sort of emotional connection there in terms mm. of the investment. The storyline is the biggest part of it. And as you mentioned, it's not just the matches and the bookends of the feud it's what happens in between it's like those small morsels of storytelling that they just drop in whether it's you know inter- interference in a match or whatever but I, th- I think the payoff is it has to deliver on the back end otherwise you know you're building up all this all this time for and you know some of them don't pan out the way they should. I was yeah. I was just gonna say, man. There's a, there's an there's an item on your list that you you submitted that did not have a great payoff. Oh no, it's terrible. It's not, <laughs> not <laughs> the buildup yeah. for it is uh, is great. Because well, I'm I, I have feelings about that. We won't <laughs> we gonna talk. Uh. Well, I, I think too. You know, as as I'm as I'm kind of thinking more and more about this, having the wrestlers in a, in a similar stage of their career, mm-hmm. being hungry, 
Also yeah, important liming. Yeah. I think having those guys being able to really push each other, but also complement each other because they're they might be similar in a similar stage physically, similar stage in their career and age, similar stage in terms of where they're on the card, and being able to use each other to elevate the feud. Yeah, I agree. Hundred percent. Well, speaking of uh, of elevation. Uh, before we get into our list, so just to give the listener uh, a little bit of inside baseball here, we tasked each other with coming up with two feuds apiece. So two naturally, I have five. Yes. So, but <laughs> undoubtedly, oh, there's man. some honorable mentions. So I'd like to give the opportunity for us now to throw out some honorable mentions that we wanted to talk about. If you want to briefly talk about what. Why are you looking at me? Uh, because you're there, we know. And well, I fuck know. You. <laughs> Everyone knows. We know. We know. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, talk about it. Only thing I'll ask you, gentlemen, is that if your honorable mention shows up on somebody else's too, shut the fuck up and don't talk about it. I think that's that works. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. I'll, I'll go real quick. Uh, I think my honorable, and it's funny how I didn't think there would be uh, because I had a totally different feud in my head. Uh, and then I, I I started listening to the uh, McFoley's new podcast. Yes, and I, I listened to the first two episodes. It's excellent. It is actually, honestly, like. Just you know, with Conrad, usually he drives the ship with these shows, it's Mick. and it's great. Yeah. I feel like this is great for Conrad because he's just like a day off for this dude. Well, mm-hmm. Mick too is so fucking good as a storyteller. Well, yeah, he's he's a stand-up comedian. He's he does a stand-up show. I really regret that we did not go see him when he was here. Listen, that's why I got the podcast now, yeah. so I can listen to him every week from here on in. Mm-hmm. But um, so uh, so he had an episode about becoming mankind, which I highly recommend. Anybody who listens to podcasts, who likes wrestling, listen to that episode. Listen to his show. And it was really interesting listening to... And I read his both his books, uh, so I already had like an idea of what it was like becoming Mankind. But really listening to him talk about it was really enlightening. But anyhow, uh, Undertaker Mankind is, is my runner-up. Mm. I think up until that point, I'm pretty confident, unless my memory has failed me, nobody had really humanized The Undertaker like Mankind nope. did. You're right. Like, at all. So that I went back, because I remembered, like, I was so into that feud, and I forgot that I was into that feud, because it was so long ago. Uh, and I went back to the, wa- you can watch a YouTube clip of uh, Mankind attacking Undertaker for the first time on Monday Night Raw, uh, right after WrestleMania. Night after. And he, like, and Undertaker sells like a motherfucker for him. He throws him into the steps, Undertaker flips over the steps. Undertaker doesn't do that for everybody. Nope. Now, especially somebody's first night in, Right. Puts the mandible claw on him, and he's, like, foaming at the mouth. No one does that to the dead man. Well, how often do you have a wrestler that comes in that, A, has such a contrasting style to almost anybody, which, like, Mick does, but also has a gimmick that is almost more intense than what The Undertaker's gimmick is? Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone predicted, though, that when he debuted as Mankind, because Cactus Jack was a crazy motherfucker. Yes. And and Mick went full balls with Cactus Jack on the time. Yeah, but the, the hardcore aspect even, of that was the gimmick. Yes, even fuller balls with the with the the promo work of mankind. God, right? so good. The way he just rocked back. No one had ever seen anything. He's pulling like his that. hair, hitting himself it, in the face. It, yeah, oh, it was just. Uh, and he committed, and it got over. Imagine and the, that. The classical music with him coming out, like it yeah. was so. Yeah. It yeah. was so creative. People ate that up. And now. Mick Foley fully embodied that character. But anyhow, that feud, the Boiler Loom Brawl, just Paul Bear turning on The Undertaker, the unthinkable, you know, it was just such a fun feud. And I, that is definitely my, like, little runner-up deal. And honestly, 
yeah, it's definitely the runner-up. There's nothing else that comes close in terms of intensity and, like, the impact on the characters involved. Mm. Because I think that really was a turning point for The Undertaker to be vulnerable in a way that he'd never been vulnerable before, you know. Good point. Jafar, do you have any runners-up you want to talk about? Yeah, my runner-up would be uh, Rock Austin. Oh, God. Nice. Uh, you know, throughout the Attitude How era. dare you pick such a great feud? Yeah, I, I was just so... And that's so, a runner-up. So, um, uh, like, like, absolutely shattered that it didn't show up on anyone's list. Yeah. Glass for, shattered? Yeah. Yeah, Last for, year, yeah, for the entire Attitude Era, uh, you know, they were going back and forth. They were flip-flopping between their, whether they were heel and babyface, right. and they just kept flipping. But throughout it all, they just kept getting under each other's skin, so you know. And it, it was just fun to watch as a fan. And they're like, okay, what's going to happen next? Mm. They complemented each other so well. Crazy good, and, absolutely. And nobody, nobody in the history of professional wrestling before, after, or in eternity, will take a fucking stunner like The Rock will. <laughs> Nobody will sell the stunner like The Rock. Uh, he and sells you know, the shit out of and it. And you know yeah. what? I, and this yeah. kind of harkens back to what you said, Mac, about how a great feud, uh, it it can weave in and out, right? You figure Austin and Rock started feuding in the Intercontinental title days, man. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. We're talking, that's a hot minute ago. It yeah. was, 97. Like, and it's cool to know that it's just like Rock and Triple H. Um, you know, they had their feud back in those days and they separated, went, did their own damn thing. Austin became a mega star, biggest star yep. in the business. Rock kind of did his thing and then he shot up like a lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And now here we go again. And that made WrestleMania 15 so much more important. Well, yeah. Because the feud was already no there. Yeah. That tension that was already baked in from back in the, remember when you, you threw my Intercontinental title over the bridge? I remember. I remember. Yeah. So oh, and then yeah. he threw Austin over the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was incredible. And we never got the because here, it's so interesting to think about the, the idea of of wrestling and what happened when and then things move so fast. But uh after Austin broke his neck, wrestling Owen Hart, which was the next feud after the fabled Bret Hart Austin feud. Right. Right? It was the Rock in Austin. That's that's what they went into. So Austin in ninety seven went from Bret Hart to Owen Hart to the Rock. End of 97. Now it's his entire 97. And it elevated the rock. But we didn't really get that payoff because Austin was still hurt. We got minimal amount yeah. of interaction yep. between the two. For until sure. Austin was the man and the rock was about ready to uh, to knock on that door. And then history, history back. I, and I want to real quick, I want to put out here because I think that... I want to mention that uh, the one thing that I think spoiled us as wrestling fans uh, is that we got to witness something that will never happen again. I don't believe in my heart. We were, I, since uh, before I was born, and since the, with the exception of Steve Austin and The Rock, we've never seen two red hot babyface heel combination, whatever you want to say, at the same at time, same time. I agree. hitting yeah. such a like a social buzz at the exact coming up at the exact same time, being that red hot at the exact same time. And I argue we we may never see that again in our lifetime. Probably yeah. not. And that's crazy to think. Yeah. You know, that's that that's like the, the purest form of lightning in a bottle. That was absolutely lightning in a bottle. And well, you know, we've had, we've had this conversation too before where the machine right now is designed to not let that happen again. On purpose. So if it ever would happen, it's not gonna happen in WWE. Mm. I mean it could happen if there's ever a competing brand that is able to have two young talents that try to elevate at that point, but it it, it just won't happen in WWE. I mean, just to add into that, that's just in one company. Because at the exact same time, you had the NWO, you had Crow Sting, who was right. coming up before WCW, WCW did that all up, and then Goldberg, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So you had four to five absolute top not market 
properties. And then right on the wings, right underneath that, was fucking Degeneration X. Yeah. You know, cultural phenomenon that that was. So, so much yeah. happening in yeah. like 97, so 98. In that, in that whole era. <laughs> 97 was such a good it year. It was a great time to it be a wrestling great time fan. To be oh, wrestling so good. Fan. It's still good to go watch back. So, yeah. Max, slap down those honorable mentions. Whip it out. Roll it out. Tommy Dreamer versus Sabu. Mm. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would have bought like, it. Raven. I, Dreamer, I know, Raven, yeah. 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 Jerry King Lawler and Doink the Clown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna give the give the ladies a little bit of credit here. I'm gonna go uh, Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair. Great feud. I Great. think I I mean there was as the as the women's revolution happens, you have these two who are clearly ready above everybody else, yeah. and once they break through, now what do you do? Yeah. And it was Charlotte and Sasha. I mean every pay per view they were giving them another gimmick match. It was Hell in a Cell. It was steel cage it was you know lumberjack i mean they 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 gave them basically the list and said okay for the next eight months you're checking every box first women to do this first women to do that and they were putting on great matches they were putting on great matches and you know at that time when it was really them becky wasn't quite she hadn't got there yet. she hadn't got there yet the steampunk thing wasn't it would people liked it she was destined she to had be not become number, the man uh, she, no she had destined to be the ricky steamboat Babyface intercontinental level of the women's division. Absolutely, always the bridesmaid until she broke her nose and but, became the bride. But right? it, it right? worked. Yeah. Oh god, honestly, I, yeah. But see, then too, like with if Becky was there with Sasha and Charlotte, we don't get the man. Nope, because no. she needed that. She needed that chip. But I think that's another thing about why Charlotte and and um, Sasha were so important because you know Alexa Bliss was still coming up. You know, you had that undercard group of about seven or eight, you know, women that were just getting promoted from NXT. And they carried that momentum from the women's revolution to let the rest of the wrestlers kind of bring their game up to the level to where they could start getting in. Because, you know, even though you had your horsewomen, you know, Bailey wasn't quite the 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 performer yet. Yeah. She was still too I think too baby face to kind of really take control. So, mm-hmm. um, and they worked great matches. They really, they really mm-hmm. did work great matches Absolutely. together. So I'm gonna give uh, Charlotte and uh, and Sasha their due. They That's had a match call. on Raw, which I believe was Sh- Sasha's first or second time winning the belt. It was that in was, Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, it was like a uh, 22 minute main event on yeah, Raw. It was a hell of a it match. Was one it of was. the <clears throat> one of the first women's matches since. Uh, Trish and Lita did it years later to main event Raw. It was fucking awesome. And the crowd was hot. The crowd was into it. They, they were doing an excellent job. And it was new. It was fresh. Mm-hmm. Who else yeah. is on your list? Um, <clears throat> so, there's so many good ones. There is. Um, I think the other feud that... I, and I think it's it's worth noting because, you, they, because of everything they had been to together, it's Undertaker and Kane. Okay. Um, it's great. Brothers just of destruction. the brothers great of destruction. Man, dude, WrestleMania 14 when that that happened. Oh, so cool. But to Good have enough. to have two guys of that size, because usually if you are a a wrestler of that size, the unicorn was Taker. Mm-hmm. Nobody can move like him. Nobody could work like him at that size, and and be believable. And then you know we get Kane, and all of a sudden, well, shit. There's now there's another guy who can work, who's solid. Who is that size? Is that stature? Can do and everything but take a pedigree, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's true. Um, <clears throat> and then Macho Man and everybody else. Yeah. Well, and anybody, Macho and anybody. Macho Man. Macho, <laughs> Macho Man and Peter Parker, 
bone saw, yeah. right, and Spider-Man. Yeah, I got you for three, for three minutes. minutes. <laughs> You're going nowhere. You're going well, nowhere. I'm going to piggyback on that, because I have three for the honorable mention. I bothered to write them down, because they were my list was originally five, and I was like, nah, and then we went two, and I'm like, shit, well, these three are, st- these three are staying. Uh, Macho Man and Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, okay. Because of all the feuds in my life that have ever visually stuck with me from being a kid, Jake put that fucking cobra on the arm of Macho Man. Getting lightened down on his, yeah. on his arm. And yep. then when they had to exit out on there, that stuck with me all my life. I remember like getting teary-eyed. I was upset, behind the yeah. couch, he still watching. Die. I, I, I just, I, that, that came up in that John Oliver clip that I sent you guys yeah, the, the other the, day yeah, just yeah, about that sure. too. It was just watching the cobra just bite on bite on Macho Man's arm. Oh, it's incredible. And that whole feud, it's, it's, it's such a great feud because it starts with Jake Roberts, he's doing his trust me thing. Where he, where he he turned on Ultimate Warrior and set him up to just basically get suffocated to death by the Undertaker. And I love that feud because it was a slower version of his music and it just, just the words trust me echoing throughout the arena when you obviously couldn't trust this right. guy. And, and then he bites Savage and Savage with the, did the old DDP thing, spoiler for later, and had the arm wrapped around yep. and he sold that. And then we took that all the way to the Royal Rumble 92, which we covered in the archives, where Savage is so furious that he eliminates himself from the Rumble just to get his hands on Jake the Snake Roberts. It was fucking awesome. So that is there. It's, again, as far as, like, if you name, like, top five Saturday morning superstars ref, uh, moments in your life, that's one or two, just because I remember it. Two is a weird one. And I apologize, but it's, it's, it's very cool. It's the Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shinsuke Nakamura feud from New Japan. Starting in like 07, where I hopped in on it was the whole reason I started watching New Japan was in 2010. Because someone uh, that I was a member with on message boards like, watch this. And these are two guys, I obviously not a lick of English in anywhere in the build up, anywhere, but you understood the promo, you understood the video package, as these were the two young lions that started. And they were both babyface champions. Both had the distinction of beating Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle to win their first IWGP championships. And who was better? Tanahashi was like the Cena to, to Nakamura's Orton. And then Nakamura uh, fucking went into the weird-ass, dark-side, slothy Nakamura that we got now. Okay. And it was... It didn't... It, they, they could have been yelling in Portuguese. It didn't matter. You would have understood in any language. Two guys beating the shit out of each other. And it was like every month on New Japan for like a solid year. These guys tore it down. And like to the point where it's New Japan. So no one won with their finish ever. <laughs> but you didn't care. And, and so uh, it was the whole reason that I... Noah went, finished. Yeah. Oh, many times. Many times. Oh, just... I love mm. Japanese men yelling. It's like still mm. to this day, I would make that my ringtone. You know, uh, yeah. I'm not going to do anything because that just sounds cultural. Yeah, I yes, was, I was. Uh, I was never into New Japan wrestling. Oh, you owe it to yourself. I never even dipped my toes in it. I never had any interest. <laughs> because Noah, when I think of it, Noah whips out his wrestling dick to bring up a feud in 2007 New Japan. That's where it started. I didn't watch it till 2010, though. So, being honest with you for a minute, but uh, I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it because what I thought of for New Japan previously in Japanese wrestling was uh, Mishihara Misawa. Or, uh, you know, uh, Kenta Kobashi. Yeah. In that 1992, Meltzer jacking off, giving it eight stars for guys just chopping each other. Throw it a German suplex that looks like it would break any normal person's neck for 25 minutes. Vader losing an eye. That's what I thought of, right? Uh-huh. But the, <laughs> here it was, which is that style, that 2010 New Japan style, is basically like perfecting the Ring of Honor style, which then at that point would then get molded into the modern AEW style and like this, this very... Seth Rollins, strong style Moxley kind of a thing. Yeah. So 
Highly recommend. It's the one thing we'll probably mention that no one will have an idea. Just put Nakamura Tanahashi 2010 into your few, in your Google machine to your YouTube and enjoy. I promise you it's worth it. But number three is another thing that took all of my heart not to put on the list. And I'm surprised no one did. And it's Ric Flair and Sting. Ric Flair and Sting. Oh, boy. It's like when Flair made him. Yeah. Flair made him. And a lot of our stuff is about who made who. It really is. We brought up Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes isn't Dusty Rhodes without Harley Race. Ric Flair isn't Ric Flair without Dusty Rhodes. Sting isn't Sting without Ric Flair. It's like that fucking chain. Uh, But they, I mean, from 1990, Great American Bash in Baltimore, all the way to the very last Nitro, those motherfuckers had a thing. And dumb as fuck Sting still kept trusting Ric Flair. And he kept fucking... (laughs) He ain't the brightest. No. No, but Flair was so good in that time that you wanted him to do well. And then you're like, but no, I really want to see him punch Sting in the face. Spoiler (laughs) alert, it was always coming. And the horse... And Arn Anderson was not far behind just to stomp Sting. Arn Anderson got out of bed that day just to stomp the shit out of Sting (laughs) every day. You but know, it is the quintessential WCW feud, in my opinion. Now, I didn't obviously I didn't watch a ton of WCW back in the day when that was live happening. Now, as I'm older, I've gone back. Thank God for the internet. You can go back and watch old stuff. WWE Network. You can go back and watch old stuff. And like young, and it's funny. I don't know who was talking about Sting earlier, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, Sting's been around for a long time. A long, long fucking hot time. minute. Yeah. Like Sting, I think debuted in like. His professional wrestling debut, I think, was like what, like eighty seven. Eighty seven. Isn't it kind of crazy that we're at a stage right now in our lives where there are a lot of entities that have been around for five decades? Yep. <laughs> we're driving. We're driving home today, and 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 Seth and I are listening to the radio, and fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers are going on with a new fucking single, and I'm like, these motherfuckers have been doing it since the eighties. Yep. And like, it's like that's. I mean, it's like thirty two years, thirty three years, but it's five decades. That this shit spans. Wow. And, you know, we got that with wrestling now, too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, not to bring the vibe down at all or anything, but, you know, a lot of guys didn't quite make it into their 40s or 50s as wrestlers. Yeah. No. True. And yeah. we're seeing guys that were able to avoid some of those pitfalls that are able, that are still kind of, sh- that are still relevant in their 50s. Not really relevant, but, you know, still show up, will still do a show, yeah. still do yeah. an appearance. But, you know, you can still kind of see some of that stuff. Yeah. But um, AJ Styles is like 45. The dude looks like he's 20. Like AJ yeah. Styles is um is of the age now, and you're too older than Flair was in the '90s when they started calling Flair old. Yeah, you things know, have changed. Yes. I just remember watching like fucking Jack Lalanne like juice commercials on fucking like two o'clock yes. in the morning yeah. after WCW had the second replay. The second replay, yeah, right. You know, TNT. exactly. And then like you know you just shut it off and it's like ah it's the juice you know. And, like, you see this gray-haired, like, 65, 70-year-old man who's fucking chiseled. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be AJ Styles and Randy Orton. Probably. And, like, because they're going to keep fucking wrestling until, like, they have to drag him out of the ring. Well, I mean, just be told, Randy Orton getting the diamond cutter and eventually getting to the point where his style never really led itself to doing much anyway. But to the point where all he has to do is just be limber enough... That once every six months or a year, he just hits an RKO out of nowhere, and all the and he's doing it now. Most out of guys nowhere, bump for him. He just catches him and falls. He can do it until he's seventy-five, eighty years old. And the crowd fucking eats that shit up Loves every it. time. Loves well, it. Why wouldn't you? Because somehow you perfected he, the diamond cutter even more. To make, right. It's a fucking meme. When now. he fucking wrestled Seth, and Seth went for the curb stop at Mania, and he just fucking jumped up. And oh, yeah, hotter. And he was so proud of himself oh that God. he forgot to cover him. <laughs> yeah. everyone was, he was, he yeah. He's like, fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> 
It was that was awesome. It was awesome, definitely. And I think when we inevitably start getting deeper, because we broke the, we popped our cherry on the Undertaker. But there are guys to do standalone episodes. Oh, on. absolutely. We talked about doing a Hogan one for better or worse. We got to do Cena. We got to do Orton. Gilbert. You know, we could do Gilbert. You know, I thought about. I'm gonna go. Uh, uh, honestly, I almost got you a cameo from Gilbert. Uh, because I thought, oh my god, if I could just get Gilbert to talk about his dick and send it to Mac, that wait, would make amazing things. Wait, wait, wait. Is Gilbert talking about my dick, or is Gilbert talking about his own dick? Talking about his own dick okay. to you. All right. Uh, All but right. he was way too expensive. And I'm like, really, Gilbert? Gilbert. Yeah, yeah Gil there's, there's several former WWE and WCW, like Intercontinental United States Champions, which are way cheaper than Gilbert, which I'm not going to say... Who they are because I may get those guys to talk about their <laughs> at another time. <laughs> okay. So, so wait, now do you have any more on your list? Was no, that's that just it? those three. I basically just read off my five, uh, and I'm just so surprised no one put Flair and Sting. But it makes sense. Well, one last thing. What I wanted to say about that: that feud was so fucking personal and so intense early in the stages that RoboCop had to get involved. <laughs> Almost said, which we will fucking do that show. RoboCop and WCW, yes. Capital Carnage, 1991, a show that's also synonymous for promoting a main event, and uh, uh, which is an eight-man tag that only two guys ended up being on the show. Still, we got RoboCop, though. It was very WCW. Very is, is this Halloween Havoc Part 4? It could be. When we get into this, oh, we get into the oh RoboCop. God, we talk about that pay-per-view for 75 days before we actually God talk about damn. the monster trucks at the end. Ugh. I'm just going to go ahead and spoil something for everybody. We're going to be doing Halloween Havocs until this show stops. <laughs> <laughs> so many of them. We started at 95, uh. which means we have Halloween Havocs before and many after to do every October until you people file a restraining order against yeah. us. Yeah. No you more Halloween Havocs. All right, so let's get to the red yeah, butter. Let's get into Meat it. and potatoes. Yeah. The sex organs yeah. of this episode. Uh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. Let's yeah. do that. Who wants to start? I'll go. All right. Mac will go. All right. Now, so let's talk about how we want to do this here. Now, am I going to say a feud and then Jeff's going to do one? Then her, are we going to go round table, round table one each? Yeah, let's go round, round table. Right. Number two and then number I'm one. I'm going to go ahead and start with my number two. Perfect. Which was my number three, but my number one is also Jeff's number one. And I didn't want to go ahead and do the same thing and have talk. Because we'll just we'll talk about the feuds anyway. You can just so reinforce it. I switched it, his, it around. So feel his thunder. That's kind of when you said, do you have any other honorable mentions, Mac? And my brain just fucking froze. Because <laughs> it's like, I did four. I didn't do more because I always get shit when I do more than what's supposed to be allowed. <laughs> yes, and this time I decided not to do it. Then you fucking called me out. And I'm like, God damn it. Who can I fucking say? Um, <laughs> quick, quick. May Young in the hand. China and Mark Henry. I was I was Oof. actually just gonna fucking say China and Mark Oof. Henry when you said that. Uh, no, the other honorable mention I should have said was fucking Rock Triple H because oh, it was my, yeah, yeah. My, one of my favorite Intercontinental matches of all time was oh, watching those so guys. Sad. Talk about if you didn't have a fucking payoff and that bothers me to this day. Well, no real payoff. It did, but it did, but it didn't. When your payoffs a backlash, it doesn't count. <laughs> no, the, the, the payoff. Right? It's because they didn't want a fucking payoff. Like Rock decided to become a movie star. Yeah, like, I mean, like they did. Triple H decided to own fucking WWE. They never got so like just one got more go around to like really they cement the legacy. They did. Really, you think the most if, 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 they'll probably retcon it that their big payoff was the Iron Man match that was the debut of the American Badass Undertaker. That match was right? not great. No, it was not good at all. When you are have the two of the top stars in wrestling in an Iron Man match, and you are upstaged by Shawn Michaels in short shorts and Undertaker coming out like a homeless guy. Uh, then it wasn't a great match. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. But Mac, hit me with your number two. So my number two is going to be one that, that really carried wrestling for um, an interesting period of time. I'm going to go Cena Orton. 
Mm. You know, when uh, Jones, we're, we're just moved in together, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we got uh, Monday Night Raw Mondays. Mm-hmm. We didn't really ever pay attention to SmackDown, but we always no. made sure to sit down for Raw. Raw has a vibe. Yeah. And just, it, it was a weird time in wrestling. You know, the, the 2006, 2007, the 2010, 2011, because of just what was or was not going on at that time. Things were shifting, man. There, it was a shift, you know, because now you had nobody pushing really WWE. Mm-mm. TNA was not really pushing WWE. Ring of Honor was essentially a feeding system for WWE. Um, they had bought everybody. So you kind of had this period of time from 2000, 2001 to 2004, 2005, where you're going from... Uh, attitude area into ruthless aggression. You got some new guys coming in. The cards are getting shuffled. Your your huge named wrestlers from the '90s and the early 2000s aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So what do you have? You have John Cena, Ultimate Babyface, and you have Randy Orton. And those two guys, for almost three or four years carried the main event card of WWE. Longer than that. Too. Oh, Think about it. Well, no, for sure. But I mean, in terms of even just against each other. Yeah. Because they kept facing off against each other. And, you know, you had Shawn Michaels was in and out. You know, Triple H was in and out. Kurt Angle's gone. Jericho's in and out. You know, there's there's a lot of guys that, you know, were name wrestlers at that point in time that just weren't there. And Cena was, was huge. Orton, huge. They're both Hall of Famers. Surefire. Um... You know, and those two guys, I, th- I think they kind of carried it until WWE could figure out what the next step was. Yeah, I mean, you know, those guys, they were workhorses. You yeah. Know? And yeah. they were consistent in their deliverable, like, night in and night out. Yeah. So Vince knew he could rely on those two guys to carry it because what else did you have? Right. right. Yeah, they were, they were part of, uh, if you, if, about, uh, I think it was, might have been 2002. Or 2003. I think it was two, they were part of the 2002 OVW graduating class yeah. with Shelton Benjamin, Brock Lesnar, and um, Batista. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I know I'm missing a couple other people, but you want to talk about a more impactful graduating class yeah, than that? Sure. Right. It doesn't exist. No. Like, that's, no, that's pure well, money and talent If you just say right Brock Lesnar <laughs> or John Cena... It's worth it. It's worth it. When you say them both at the same time, then that's insanity. Mm-hmm. That's the last. That's the last two decades of of wrestling that we've had. Is really those. Is those two. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean. Uh, so I was trying to find it on Reddit. One of the things that uh, it was uh, to show how iconic this feud is. First of all, the Cena Orton rivalry has its own Wikipedia page. It does have its own Wikipedia page. They wrestled uh, uh, just on TV alone. They wrestled thirty two times in single matches. That does not count. Uh, tag matches where right. they are partners against that does not count Royal Rumbles multi-matches just one-on-one on TV or pay-per-view 32 times what was the match that they had on Monday Night Raw you guys can probably know where I'm going with this it was Cena and Orton against the entire Raw against roster. the entire Raw roster uh, you guys we, remember that I yes. remember where we were when we watched yeah. that we were at the Bedrock Cafe in Beachview yeah. eating basement wings yeah the old they, days take it over this one now <clears throat> sometimes I get on People for making way too specific a reference, but I'm gonna say it just once. There was this little bar in the middle of a shitty suburb of Pittsburgh. Why do I hear <coughs> my voice coming out of your mouth as you're saying? This? <coughs> yep, right. Uh, and uh, and there was like this little, and it was like the shadiest bar. Many people have been stabbed there before and since, probably. 
But we showed up and they had like unbelievable wing specials. So we yes. just took over this one they small room. They paid you 10 cents per wing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the special it was. And it was actually pretty <laughs> good wings. wings. And you get a pitcher of beer for like five yes. bucks. And we'd go and they didn't care for the business. They liked the business on Monday. So we took over a small section of the bar and it was turned on Monday Night Raw. Yep. And we just walk around. We didn't even sit down. We just walk around with a chicken wing in one hand and, and a, a beer. beer in the other hand yep. and watch Monday Night Raw and be That's obnoxious. Awesome. You just turned 21. I did. I did. It was fun. And Orton and Cena. Bought the entire Raw roster that was, for, yes. for a main event one night, which was just incredible to see Randy Orton and John Cena wrestle Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Goldust, Trevor Murdoch, and I don't know, countless other human beings for a random reason. But yes, that was an, and that's when they were like feuding for the first or second time. Yeah. So, yeah. But we, we were lucky enough to see, I think live, I've seen Orton versus Cena twice. Uh, the first of which was that, that breaking point. Pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. We tried to blow him up. Yeah, where they had. <laughs> we were there. Yeah, yeah. Was there. Yeah. We, were, we were there. We were there, and they tried to kill him. I'll never, I'll never forget. I'll never forget sitting in the arena for that. And we had really good seats for this. We, we did were right yes. in the middle of the ring. We were about. We were still in like the like first B section, B section, yeah. and everything. And like the realization that Randy Orton could set off the pyrotechnics. Like, when he realized where the button was. It was great. He's like, I'm going to go fucking dr- grab John Cena and put him over top of this. I'm going to blow his ass up. Like, where the fuck was his brain at <laughs> at this point? <laughs> and, and we got to the point where, like, he couldn't blow him up. So we're like, Randy Orton's going to go in the fucking back and just come back out with a fucking <laughs> shotgun. Fucking <laughs> shotgun. Just shoot him. Like, be done with the just, damn feud. Just, just fucking. This yeah. Is the, yeah, it was incredible to watch live because they really... That match was way better than we ever expected it to be because yes. they told they told a hell of a story. And what else could they do? Uh, they had fought so many times. Spoiler alert: they would fight many more times after that. But it was the first time that I remember the wrestling aspect of Cena starting to come out more than it had because mm. Cena hit an RKO in the match and started doing non uh, other moves other than the five moves of Doom. And that was like the, oh, Cedric is run out of his five moves. What's he going to do to beat Orton? Oh, he'll use Orton's five moves, right? <laughs> See, they were also very similar because, you know, yeah, Cena had the five moves of Doom. When you put John Cena in the ring with a really good wrestler, mm-hmm. you always saw that Cena's wrestling was elevated. There were a lot more moves that he felt comfortable doing. Um, but Cena, or, but Orton was kind of built in the same way. You had, you know, obviously the RKO. You had where he had the the DDT off the ropes. Yep. You had the fucking stomping of the limbs, which I loved when he yeah, did the that. Garvin stomp. Yeah, yeah the sure. stomp was the stomp stuff was awesome. But he always had his kind of hallmarks that he did in a match, also. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about the style that they were trained in. You know, they, they uh, both guys cut their teeth on the independence, but got polished. Not only, excuse me, in OVW, but um, on the road as a young guy on the, just after the brand split. So that's a good, it's great good, feud, great yeah. twenty-year-long feud. <laughs> well, and a lot of time, you know, because Randy Orton was—they were doing that kind of celebration of Randy Orton's time in WWE, and yeah. they're going to be doing it for John Cena coming up here soon too. But I remember watching an interview where he was talking about—they asked Randy Orton about his favorite feuds, and he still says that the number one person he's ever worked with, and he really attributes attributes so much success of his career is John Cena. He's like, I don't think. I'm anywhere I would be without having that time in the ring with him. Yeah, uh, Lex Luthor to Superman. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, I'll go next, since we're going around in this kind of a circle to go with my number two. Uh, From a different era, my number two all-time few is Bret the Hitman Hart against Owen the King of Hearts Hart. Um, I distinctly remember, it's not a long few, certainly not as long as Cena and Orton and some of the other stuff. 
we had talked about earlier. God, as you said but, that, I just realized that the entire fucking wrestling show on Stars is really about the Hart family. Yep. I didn't well, even fucking put those things together until you just said that. Yeah, that's that's the heels, right? Because yeah, heels. Yeah. Because they're the spades. Yeah, uh, there you go. Of course, motherfuckers. Come on. It's, it's a great fucking. I'm sure I, it does. You it guys is. haven't had a chance to nah, watch it yet, and I've it. I've said this to each of you. We're gonna have a yeah. fucking day where I just have you come over and we binge the first six season, the first season, which is like six episodes. The show is so fucking good. I hear good things. It really like, is. I, I do listen to DDP and Jake Roberts podcast, and they talk about that show. A lot, and and I think it's mostly because Paige wants to be on the show, so he's mm-hmm. bringing it up. Well, because they've had, I mean, there have been at least two or three legit professional wrestlers, Hall of Famers, that they've had just kind of do a couple little cameos in the show. But it's phenomenal. It's, re- it, it's wrestling-oriented. I will watch it. Yeah. I went and saw Nacho Libre in the theater, so I've never been to talk and to turn my nose up about anything. Same. <laughs> but, uh, but Bret Hart and Owen Hart, um, it was such an amazing story because you didn't expect it at the time. Because Bret Hart, and I think this is a theme for all of his career, is that he's unreasonably talented. The best to ever do it, in my opinion, between the ropes, right? And for every time Bret has ever been in the position to unbelievably get that shit going and earn his stripes, something fucking happens that they pull the goddamn rug out from underneath him. When he finally beats Yokozuna... Or, I mean, it's before that. But he, when he finally gets the champion, he beats Ric Flair, beats Razor. They pull it out from out of the room, give it to Yokozuna and Hulk Hogan in the right. same night, right? Right. Then he finally beats Yokozuna. But at the same time, we're doing this undercard feud with Owen, which really made his win for Yoko kind of second nature. Because, it was. Because the, the money was the feud with Owen, with the, with the turn. And the, the idea that the, the feud starts not with promos and seeing Owen wrestle really by himself for a while, it was that... He was an afterthought in the Brett versus Jerry Lawler feud, which then, because Jerry Lawler and 16-year-old girls are just this reoccurring theme throughout his career, no apologies to Jerry Lawler, he got pulled that off. That is a conversation of, for yeah, another time. Yeah, it is. Got pulled off of Survivor Series, so they had Shawn Michaels lead a team of random-ass people, and the only person that gets eliminated from that match is Owen Hart. So when everyone's celebrating at the end, Owen's all upset about it. Squashes it, because that's what brothers do. And then... Uh, Infamously, at when they lose the tag titles to the fucking Rougeau brothers, was it Royal Rumble? Royal Rumble. That's right. Owen Hart kicked Bret Hart's leg out of from under his Bre- damn leg. Bre- yeah, because <laughs> he was just so flustered. Because Owen, admittedly, <laughs> not a strong promo. Never was. That's not why you had him do it. He could tell the story in the ring. But that's what started it, and it built it up to the. They would repeat that concept later. I one is the heel and wants to fight, and then the brother that's the baby face doesn't want to do it, and the heel pushes the button. And, you know, you get your parents involved. Either they're alive and old like the Hart parents were, or they're dead and burnt to a crisp like The Undertaker and Kane. <laughs> Finally, the babyface relents, and there we are at WrestleMania for a fucking classic match. Mm-hmm. But what I love about it was that they had all of the opportunity. Owen wins, first of all, which nobody, especially nine-year-old Noah, didn't see coming. Brett losing in the opening match of WrestleMania when he'd win yeah. the belt later that night. But they had every opportunity to have Brett go out and beat another guy with an occupational gimmick every night on Monday Night Raw, but they didn't. They stuck. They gave Owen the King of the Ring, which set him up as the number one contender to one of my favorite steel cage matches ever. SummerSlam. It's probably one of the best steel cage matches yeah, ever. ever. Easily. Oh, it's so good with the big blue steel cage that does not give a fuck about your feelings. That superplex off. Nope. God damn. <sighs> Every those do you see that clip and you yeah. know they felt every every and bit of that impact with a hard concrete ring on that uh. big blue steel cage and they fucking tear it down at SummerSlam and they and and here's the thing they don't touch really anymore 
after that for the rest of their career. But it had done enough for Brett and enough for Owen where Owen ran as a heel for the remainder of his career except for the tiny little bit when Triple H was more over than he was so he was babyface by default. Right. But you remembered it. And you remembered, oh, that's the motherfucker who kicked Bret Hart's leg out. And he was always the whiny heart. Uh, and it made when they came together in the Hart Foundation in 97 that much better. Because you had gone full circle. Here's oh, They hug and Owen's crying because they've yep. been on the thing and there's Bret. Not crying. Not at all. Dead at the fucking I camera. I love that shot. He's a heel so now. Good. And that's business. how the story ends. And yeah. it's like, so they start as Brett as the sympathetic baby face and Owen is the sh- piece of shit. And it ends where you feel bad for Owen and you love, and you're just infuriated with Brett Hart. Like motherfucking Brett. I, I, I can fucking watch. And if it just has the word Hart in it, chances are I'll watch it anyway. But if it's <laughs> those two, oh yeah. yeah uh, so what I loved about that steel cage match is, you know, most cage matches or Hell in a Cell matches, they're overly violent just for the sake of being violent yeah this one was not it was super technical most of it was them trying to escape the cage and getting dragged back in uh bret hart in his book talked about that suplex off the top needing to protect him and he just wanted to protect because he knew it was way farther than owen had dropped before and like how can we take this bump without either of us getting hurt uh and that Sharpshooter reversing to another sharpshooter is like one of the most magnificent oh, reversals ever. And it was so just brilliant. like the payoff because, like, you want to see it, but at the same time, you're like, they're brothers. Like, right. I don't want them to kill each other, but I want the hitman to win. You want Brett you to do. win. Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, true, it, was, and it was so well done. So, and in true fashion to what I just said about Bret Hart, that still wasn't the main event of the goddamn show. Yeah. The Undertaker versus the Underfaker. Was the match that closed the goddamn show? <laughs> yeah. Because Brett is the champion in a actual blow-off match and a second biggest pay-per-view of the year in yeah. a gimmick match against the person he wants to wrestle most in the world. And guess who's not going on last? Fucking Vince taking a shot at Bret Hart. Uh, I I can tell you with complete certainty, there's like a short list of like WrestleMania matches I've watched more than ten to fifteen times. WrestleMania ten, that opening match, Brett and Owen, I. I wouldn't say I'd study it, but I would just watch it so intently because it's like watching two masters at work. The match perfect. was so good, beginning to end. Like, match. just the, the shove and the shove and the slap across the face. And it's good. The only thing wrong with that whole match, there's only one thing wrong with that entire match, and it's that fucking white glob of shit. Uh, Owen yeah, has on everybody side notices of his mouth. it. Yeah. At the end we all know what it, what it looks like. But he waves yeah. and he's got his arms up. You're just like, ah, oh, God. Just dude. wipe your face, Fuck please. It. Just, just take, wipe it. It's not like the ref would have like said it. something when there was a whole. No one told him when he cut a promo. He didn't cut a promo with it on his face. He's like, ah, I beat you. I did it. Like, no, Owen. Fucking, you got toothpaste out of your. Do something, dude. We don't know what it is. We don't want to know what it is. I want you guys to know that I have a legit fear of that in my life. Like a real legit, like in the. Like, like in my bones, of having something on my mouth and nobody telling me it's there, mm. and like going through the day. <laughs> That'll be terrible. I wipe like if I'm at lunch and everything, I wipe my mouth like seven more times than I probably have to because I'm just paranoid that there's a little glob of fucking mustard from my ham sandwich right that's just kind of sitting there and nobody wants to tell me about it because of fucking Owen Hart. Yeah. <laughs> because sense. of Owen Hart. Because of Owen. I, I, his legacy lives on. I will definitely say that that was a solid choice for for a number two for Christ's sake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we're going. We're going. My you. You yeah, up yeah, next. You're up. So do uh, it, Doc. So we'll get right into it. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page and Randy Savage, um, which was yeah. one uh, feud of the year, uh, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Of the year. Uh, 
in the same year that Hart and Austin happened. Yeah. What, and, and Survivor Series 97 happened. And I'm just going to put the shit right there. Listen, my favorite feud of all time is Bret Hart and, 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 and Steve Austin. That is my favorite. It is, But we're not no, talking about it today. We cannot. We because can't. we're not talking about it today. There's an entire episode. I must go default to... Yeah. There's A1, there's A2, and then there's, you know, like this... Uh, so, but uh, Steve, Steve Austin, D- DDP and Savage, the it was personal. It wasn't very professional. It started professional initially because the the professional aspect of it is WWE versus NWO, right? Yep. DDP had been approached by the NWO to join up, and he kind of diamond cutted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Scott Hall and threw Kevin he Nash did, out of the ring. Beautiful. Which, for the record, no one was doing that to the NWO at that point. No, yeah. Didn't they have like uh, a, a light blue? NWO t-shirt. Wasn't there like a shirt floating around like at that time about Light what blue? it would Because DD... Well, think about BWO? No, no, because like Diamond Dallas Page was, it was, he, there, his colors were like the light blue. There so was a lot of concept stuff. Like, and, and, because I, I know and I saw it floating to, around. It's hard to know what was legit or not. It did show up around the time, like the black and green cane from DX, right. which has been reportedly debunked, but more pictures keep showing up of it, right? So, a lot of prototypes. Now, I don't yeah. recall that, but I remember like the contrast white and black t-shirts yeah. that they had. But, so... DDP, who, and let's just establish, we talked about, I think we covered DDP in, uh, it wasn't Halloween Havoc, it was, it was Bash and Bash at the Beach of the Beach. Yep, which All is right. still my favorite title we've ever done for a fucking episode. So, ever. like, DDP had gone through gimmick hell. You know, cigars and, and, and Roman candles, no, basically. No, we talked about it in Halloween Havoc. Was it Halloween because, Havoc? Because he opens the show with every gimmick that yeah. has ever been exampled uh, he, in the he, entire we, We're talking about a guy who... At his age, was getting into wrestling like full time at a very old age, relative to everybody else, uh, and he was able to transcend that that position that he was in, you know, because it's professional because it's WWE versus NWO. Savage attacks him, the NWO attack him. Now it becomes there's a spread of your wife from Playboy for me for a few years ago. I'm gonna put it up on the, the uncensored pay per view, right? That becomes I remember going, oh shit. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Kimber- That's a natural. Kimberly, she's new. Yeah, oh, no. shit. The internet wasn't really a Yo, thing. Yeah, there was no internet. Okay. Like, say more. I saw, um, I'll never forget them coming out. Like every And, and even Hogan was like, they had it spread out. Yeah. It was like, oh. Yeah, they, they put it out on, on pay-per-view. Like, they showed it. I think they spray-painted it maybe think, a little bit. Yeah. Think about that. Unless you had access to Playboy, like, you had it, or you know, like, somebody in your family or close friend that had it, you couldn't see like famous boobs. No. Like now no. on the internet, you type in anybody's name and then naked or boobs. <laughs> There's like 50 images now. 35. Now we recommend doing fake. this in your incognito browser for the sake of all things. Yeah, yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah. Safe the event that you have your Google accounts linked to like your personal browsers and stuff. No, don't yeah. do it at work. You would no. think Stop it would work. work. You think it would, st- it would stay phone, that but, personal. Yeah. Then no, it gets even more personal because now they assault Kimberly. They yep. spray, paint, spray her. paint her back. Like, listen, you don't touch another man's wife. You don't Mm-mm. do it. No. And now it's beyond just personal. Now DDP wants to kill Savage. Yes. You know and, what and, I mean? And, and he was the perfect guy to do that because the NWO was super hot at that time. Very. Right? And, and, and this is, and I just want to piggyback on this by saying this is my favorite feud on our list to hear people talk about, like, shoot stuff on. I mean, there would be DDP or Nash or when Hall was with us or Bischoff. Everyone talks about this because it's so fascinating to me that here's a guy that never should have made it. Nope. And, was, and, yeah. and, and they insert him. In the middle of one of the hottest feuds, and the one guy who wasn't really doing much in that thing was Randy Savage, and it just clicked. And it clicked as two guys, and it was well, it was the last great feud of Savage's career. Yes, and the first great feud. No, of it, it put him over big time. It made yeah. him. It made him, and it brought Sa- it kept Savage relevant until Savage was was 
don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. anymore. Savage, I mean, you, now Randy Savage, from my money, is is easily, you know, count on one hand list amount of guys who are the greats. Yeah. Uh, everything that he did had some meaning to it. But in 1997, Randy Savage had joined the NWO, and he was kind of like, like you said, floating. He was there, but he wasn't doing a whole lot. He, yes. was, he was there, first of all, because he's Randy Savage. Second of all, they want that Slim Jim money. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Where Randy Savage goes, Slim Jim went. Right. And three, he was too big not to have, and it had just enough show about why would I? He, everyone knew yeah. what they were doing to Give WCW guys. Yeah. yeah. Like, they were making every WCW guy look like a piece of shit except for Sting, and you could only have one Sting. So, what are you going to do? We'll fucking turn him heel. He's already wearing black and white anyway. Give right. him an even more ridiculous cowboy hat and send him fucking out there. That's all you got to do. Now, the, the two of them only wrestled a few times. It's not, not like they no. had like a, a few that lasted two and a half years. I think they might have wrestled one-on-one matches three or four times maximum. Yeah. I think their blow-off was at the Halloween Havoc, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. that year. Uh, but their first match, which was Spring Stampede, uh, 97, was, the, was their first match, and that's the, the match that Savage put him over. And he had no business doing it. No, had no reason to no do need it. To. He not only put him over, he put him over like a million bucks. He took his finish like a champ. And yeah. stayed right? down for it. That's what I'm watching that bad. Like if any other person in any other era, he drops him with it and waits that long, they kick out. Yep. But he didn't. I mean, at that point, I remember I was already on the DDP train before this. Because I was like, dude, the diamond cutter was getting over. Like, I don't know if I'd ever seen a finish get over so organically like that since. Nope. Yeah. Like, I don't... I remember... Well, I, I was maybe just, the RKO. Yeah. The, the diamond cutter, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> no, it's it's the RKO. The diamond sure. cutter starts with this. Oh. You yeah. know, I, yeah, dear dear sweet listener, I just kind of did <laughs> like the diamond this. shape. Uh, <laughs> you know, the RKO does not. Well... Wait a minute. Can we just also acknowledge the fact that DDP sued Jay-Z over that hand single? I did not know that. I didn't he did. know that. He did. Guess who won? Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, that's hilarious well I remember like being in school and like and, and Gib our midnight listener will attest to this we would like run up past each other and just give each other a, a diamond cutter out of nowhere because that was the gimmick one mistake that's all it takes bang diamond cutter so it was it was so over it. with us we're punk kids from Pittsburgh, it was over all over the world, yeah, yeah. and like I, and I'm not gonna like repeat the whole story, but you know you can look it up on YouTube, like you know DDP talking about the night that Savage put him over, and Savage is tying his shoes, and he's they're like you know what are we gonna Arnie do? Arnie Anderson's the one to ask him, and yeah. he's like I think I'm gonna take the cutter tonight. Yeah. And DDP looks at him like, huh. and Arnie Anderson's like, you know what he just said, <laughs> yeah, which is like that old school wrestler's like you know he's gonna make you, and DDP's like fuck yeah, and uh, and it was worth because uh, DDP. And Randy Savage are two guys that are well known for being dudes that like to go over everything in an yeah. era where nobody went over mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. They were like, it's cold in the ring, brother. I don't know. We'll fill it out there. We'll see what they. DDP had, would come to people and it would frustrate them with books and pages of what he saw the match as. And Savage loved to talk about it because he didn't trust anybody. The HF, DDP was, an, was uh, unsure and inconfident, and Savage didn't trust anybody. But what it meant is they were both on the same motherfucking page yeah. Yeah. for every step of that way. And um, the other, the, the aftermath of this, this feud is the taped ribs that everybody remembers. <laughs> to this day, he, he still has taped ribs. He said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's still. <laughs> the, 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 the crutches <laughs> across the ribs. You know the beat downs, the the and, and I can't remember the name of the pay per view after that where they had like the the false count anywhere match. Or was that uh, Halloween Havoc actually? Yeah, like, that, that, that was the blow off. And Havoc. I just that just up until that point, I'd never seen Savage so violent. No, he was everything you wanted him to be from being the Macho King, but that he couldn't be because Vince McMahon didn't want him to terrify people. 
They wanted people, they didn't want them to pay. And this is very true for a lot of those heels. That's why they cut the balls out of Papa Shango when it was starting to actually get over. Was they wanted people to pay enough to hate you, to see you get your ass kicked, but not to be so terrified that they wouldn't pay to be in the same room with you. Mm. Which is why they stopped, like, when Warrior started having the spasms and I remember up, that. Uh, and it got, that was sick shit. And it got over real well to where little kids were crying in the crowd. <laughs> and then he's like, no, we can't, we can't have you do this. We're going to have you, you're going to drop the smoke. You're gonna drop the voodoo hat. You're just gonna run in. You maybe you shake a little bit. You <laughs> may shake a little. You may shake a little bit, and yeah. Cut the so then, how does the fiend happen? Well, because uh, Vince uh, learns that you know money money talks, and years have changed. Look at the boogeyman. You think he would ever let someone eat live oh, worms God. every week on TV? Good protein. Though. I don't miss that. No, yes. no. You know what though? I gotta respect the, bo- the boogeyman just because I like anyone who's like, listen, I'm gonna give you something shitty to do, and get it over. And they're like, all right. And even though it's fucking awful, and no one should ever have to do it, and I would rather get my hair cut by Brutus the Barber Beefcake for $20 than you get paid $200 to eat worms after getting squashed by the boogeyman. Yeah. The dude made it fucking work, dude. He did. He did. Do, you, do you guys know that I got a tomato plant? It's a beefsteak tomato plant, and I've named it Brutus. That's very nice. Yeah. I bet you that thing will, will actually get over. Actually, you know what? If that thing gets nice. over, all of a sudden you can't find it and it's there just trying to leech off a of Hulk Hogan, then you know what's going on. <laughs> what's, what's great is nobody in my family knows why I named it Brutus, but you do. That's the best. Perfect. Now the internet world does too. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, that's that's my number two. I, and Beautiful it's just a bet. really important match, a really important feud because it made one of the biggest stars in wrestling. You know what we're going to do? Yeah, we shared some clips with each other about some of the stuff. Yeah. I'm going to say right now, and Jeff, since you're the most uh, reminder heavy one of us, remind me, and we will make between the two of us some social media links posted on our Facebook that link you to maybe a playlist yeah. of some of these great moments. The promos, so the matches. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, sure. that's a great idea. So hit me number two. Yeah, so number, number two for me, it's uh, good that I was following Doc because he was talking about what Savage was doing in 97 and at the same time the rest of the NWO was feuding with Sting which Mm -hmm. is my number two now before I dive into the details earlier when I was talking about what makes a feud great I mentioned the payoff (sighs) this particular feud uh, (laughs) had no payoff possibly the worst (laughs) payoff the most WCW uh, the most uh, botched finish uh, of any pay-per-view that I can recall in wow. recent memory. but uh, So my number two is Sting versus the NWO uh, from 96 to 97, the very end of 97. Yeah, when, they uh, waited. Yeah, December 28th of 97, to be exact. Uh, that was so, so... The heat on that was fucking yeah, incredible. So, oh so my God. it started from world. the inception of the NWO. It was Sting, it was Luger, it was Savage against the Outsiders and the Mystery Third Man, which we all ended up knowing was Hulk Hogan and the birth of the NWO. Uh, NWO was fucking red hot. So at hot. The time. You can never explain it to somebody who didn't live yeah, through it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot of moving parts there. So leading up to fall brawl, uh, fake sting, which was part of NWO. Yep. Uh, they put together a video package of Luger getting attacked by fake sting. Uh, Luger thought it was really sing. So, uh, at fall brawl, stings like, Hey, it wasn't really me. I'm going to beat the shit out of the NWO, uh, which they did. But then Luger's like, fuck you. I don't believe you. Why did you attack me? He's like, Sting's the man, but now I don't trust (laughs) him. Yeah, yeah. So the following night, uh, Sting comes out on Nitro and cuts just a scathing promo, basically saying, if you're with me and you got my back, I'm with you and I got your back. But to everybody else, the commentators, the locker room, the fans, fuck you. (laughs) 
You can stick it. You can stick it. Those are his exact words. Claimed himself a free agent and said, you'll see me when you see me. I might pop in from time to time. And he fucking disappears. I don't, uh, I don't know if there was anything greater than that. Like, realistically. Yeah. 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 And so... He just, just starts listening to The Cure in his car a lot. <laughs> yeah, so he decides to uh, change his entire persona from the classic Sting face paint to The Crow. Which was a popular yep. movie at the time. That was Scott Hall's idea. I fucking love that. Like, yeah, whenever it's, like, is, whenever, it's so great. First of all, we never did a Scott Hall episode. And I think we should do a Hall and Nash like episode or NWO in general, if but like if Scott Hall's greatest contribution could be the fact that it was Sting the Crow yeah. of all the shit that he did, and that's so fucking cool. Can we yeah. make it meta and like do a music episode with it and have it um, Hall and Oates and Nash? <laughs> I fucking love you. Thank you. Like I fucking need that in my life. <laughs> Hall and Oates. Uh, was Sting a man eater? <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. We will find so, out. So so he started just showing up. Random times, dropping from the ceiling, coming out from the back, mm. dressed in black, trench coat, baseball bat, just targeting members of the NWO. Wait, now, hold, wait, now hold on now. You're skipping a really important part of this. It didn't start that way. We didn't know Correct. where he was we for a while. We didn't know where, he was. where he yes. was, his alignment oh, yeah, well, was. Yeah. So when he did start dropping, it Nobody was a knew big what he was gonna deal. Do. Yeah, the yeah. first real time he lays hands on the NWO, the yeah. pop was something else entirely. Oh, my God. Because they're like, he's a free agent, which way is he going to go? Mm-hmm. He's wearing black and white, which the NWA, NWO was wearing at the time, so it's like... Because there was a couple times, yeah. a couple nitros, where like the NWO would be around and Sting would just be standing with them, not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like, But he wouldn't attack anybody, like, he a basis, but he was just... He was just like judging. He, he, he was, was thinking judging. about it. Yes. And yeah. So, there are two it's moments lo- it's that, amazing. that can't be understated to sell this. One which was Arn Anderson's promo that I alluded to earlier, after Sting, and they didn't know who was the fake Sting and who was the real Sting, and Anderson does, and one of the great things about Nitro that nobody does anymore, and if you were going to just fucking steal something from wrestling, they should be fucking doing this, where that when people were, their commentators were putting over the next segments, wrestlers without music would just come over to the commentary table, they'd put the headset on, and they'd start fucking cutting promos yep. about the state of the business. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it felt real, yeah. felt organic. Yeah. Yep. And Arn Anderson's thing, I gotta talk for a minute about Sting. Every one of us left WCW. Everyone, Flair, gone. Me, gone. Tolly, Barry, gone. Or they came here, but Sting was the one who stayed in to see him turn his back on us. Yep. And it's like, fuck yes, God Arn bless Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson. Yeah, oh, and he did that. Yeah. And then the second most famous cuck in the history of the world, Tony Schiavone. Fucking, <laughs> what is Sting Wait, doing? number one? Oh, Leonardo, of course. <laughs> oh, fuck my Hey! <laughs> Taxi, my wife! Are you guys? Oh hey! He was meeting people at a gas station, almost at his window. Hey! <laughs> and then in the back, Tony Schiavone's like, hey! He's like, but Schiavone's like, what is Sting doing? Is he this guy? Is he that guy? I don't know. This is Jerry Seinfeld for some reason. I was say, you had real <laughs> what is going on with Sting? No, but seriously, like, Tony Schiavone, the clueless dumb fuck, kayfabe wise, ever. Not, he's just selling it. What is Sting doing? And then Bobby Heenan. Always right behind him. He's like, I knew it. And then he's like, I oh, I never time. trusted him. Yeah. I knew it. And he kept, that's the shit that kept you going. You can't really explain that to somebody. The energy. That fucking 
Nitro in 96-97 was fucking anime. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a whole fucking Dude, vibe, and, for sure. Entire episodes would just start with somebody getting their ass beat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bad! We're here on WCW Nitro in Jacksonville, Florida! Just, just random Rey Mysterio getting stomped and blondored. And- oh, <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, there, uh, one episode with a few with Savage and DDP, like, there's a, the beginning of the fucking show, the limo shows up with Savage and Liz in it, and DDP had a fucking, the first 30 seconds of the show, DDP shows up kicking the fucking window and yeah. puts his fucking foot through it to get the savage because he put his hands on his wife. Then they, That's so fucking real. It, it was, was so good. intense. And then, then in true WCW they cut back and it's like here's fucking Mortis here's versus Pantiakea <laughs> opening the show. Fans yeah, will let you know. We'll update you as soon as there's an update on the condition of the limo. Fuck. Okay. You know, and it, I remember when the fake sting attacked Luger. I had that shit on tape back when I recorded both Raw and Nitro. I would pause, record, and yeah. switch channels between commercial breaks. Coming out of the limo, kicks him. Yep. I remember, and I was sold. I was like, "Fucking sting!" Because I didn't have DVR. It wasn't high def. Yeah, I yep. couldn't tell. You really you know, couldn't. It was dark. You're watching in your room. Yeah, yeah. you Luger could not tell. tell. So kind of like Steve Borden. You know. See, I, I had the privilege. So we that time of my life, we didn't have air conditioning on the second floor of our house. It was only like the window unit on the first floor. Yeah. So I would always sleep downstairs in like the living room because they're just too goddamn hot upstairs. But I was the only one who did it. So I would watch Raw until 11. And then, of course, you know, everybody goes watch to bed. And I fucking turn on TNT and then have the uh, the replay of Nitro from like 1 to 4. Mm, what a summer. And I what loved it. Summer, like man. summertime oh. was great for that reason. Because, you, you know, stay up to 1 a.m. watching I, wrestling I, I would. I, I would stay yep. up till like 4 o'clock in the morning and then like sleep till 11 o'clock. And I was like, why are you always so fucking tired? Like, fuck the NWO. <laughs> because the disciple just got his ass beat, Mom. I know. He said, I mean, I was crazy. You wouldn't understand. I have to watch Mom. the street, Jafar, Mom. You, you cannot explain the awesomeness of this feud without explaining the absolute fuck finish. Was, this payoff was so incredible. <laughs> they, they it, was, uh, it cut me real deep. <laughs> it cut everybody deep. <laughs> I'm not healed. <laughs> uh, so the so the lead up uh, to Starcade 97 was Hogan versus Sting. Like, he didn't say it, though. He just would have signs. Yeah. And so we get there. And it was a pretty short match. It's only 10 minutes or so. Was that all it was? No, you're, you, can't, you, can't, you can't. You can't. You're doing it. First of all, you can't. You can't. I'm not to step on you. I'm sorry here. Wait, but I'm going to no, step on you. But go I'm going to tromp all over it. Dude. Because, like, J.J. Dillon, the third biggest <laughs> cock in the history of wrestling, was sitting there. He's like, Sting, what do you want? And Sting's literally holding a fucking sign that says, Sting wants Hogan. And he JJ's like, yeah. but what do you want? Tell me. It's like trying to communicate with your wife about dinner. Like, fuck it, help me out. <laughs> that, that, that the truth. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, but this also had the ability that this coincided with Bret Hart coming to WCW yeah, after was, Montreal. The yes. hottest professional this wrestler was, in the world uh, at that moment. Bret Hart's debut. It uh, was part of this match. shoehorn more heat into a small area than you had for this match. You know, they fucking did. They put Bretton as a uh, special guest referee. Well, no, they yeah, got special guest referee between... In a different match. Bischoff and Zabisco. They did. Which they had no business doing. No, nope. no fucking reason to do it. And then... I'm sorry, Jeff. Go on. So there was debate for the entire day leading up to this match of how it was going to finish. And there's stories and articles and podcasts... And discussions about uh, Sting and Hogan both wanted it their way, and Bischoff had an idea, and Hogan had an idea, and Sting had an idea, and none of them were on the same page. Nope. Uh, and it just turned into a, a debacle and a shit show. This in was the, match. the end of Game of Thrones. It was a 
a botched finish. It was supposed to be a quick three count. Oh my god! I it was a regular that. three count. Yeah. Bret Hart came out, refused to let them ring the bell, restarted the match. It was just, it was not good. You had two options. It was not good for the finish of that match. Hogan drops the leg on Sting, and Nick Patrick counts it fast. Bret Hart coming out makes sense. Yep. Hogan drops the leg. Nick Patrick counts regular. Sting kicks out. Right. Of all the possible combinations <laughs> of this thing, worst Hogan drops the leg, Nick Patrick counts regular, and Sting, Sting stays down was out. the worst fucking option, and that's exactly what happened. I love when you watch that match, and it's a normal count, and but the announcers, I mean, they got to do the job. They're trying to sell it like it was fast. Yeah. It was, but it wasn't. There's nothing fast about no. that. It was steady as shit. It yeah. was like Nick, yeah. It's almost like Nick Patrick is the son of Jody Hamilton, the destroyer or whatever his gimmick, Mr. Wrestling or something. And he's been in the business for 30 years. He knows how to count the three with a right. consistent motion. Right. So then Brett comes down. It makes him look like a fucking idiot. Yep. Because he's like, oh, that's that was not going to happen again. He beat him. What do you mean not going to happen oh, again? Beat him. Fucking beat him clean, actually. Yeah. Straight yeah. up. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to look clean, but it was as clean as could be. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a bigger fucking flub. And everyone's just no, like, the everybody ever. in the back is like, oh, what the fuck do we do now? Like, we totally fucked that. No, and and there's so many, like, small unicorn moments that happen that you couldn't imagine with a match that big. With all of that heat going into it. was it. 18 months in the making. Yeah. And they couldn't yeah. get the match out. They, they, <laughs> and they, they, just they couldn't figure it out it. Until, until the payoff. And, it, and they fucked it up, and you had the Bret Hart screw job stuff on top of that, and you had that this was like all of this built up to this, and then not only that, and the WCW flubbed it so hard. Also, post match, the crowd live didn't understand what was going on, oh, they but so they still popped. Confused. Yeah, they still popped when Sting won the match, right? Yeah. And Bret Hart called for the bell, uh, and then Sting hasn't spoken a word in 18 ah, months. Ah, yes. And he grabs the belt. And the camera comes up to him, and he goes up to it, and he says something in Spanish. He 100% says something in fucking Spanish. <laughs> something, something mamacita. Me and me and Drew looked at each other like, was that really Sting this whole time? Was that the big Sting? Is that, I'm like, thing, it's like, is that sting fucking El Dandy? <laughs> you don't disrespect El Dandy. That's uh, fucking Silver King in yeah, there the whole time. Right. But, and, but here's the same thing, too. Because you think about how did WCW blow that momentum? That happened. That was peak WCW. All right, that, yeah. and then less than four weeks later, or excuse me, six weeks later, Mike Tyson shows up on Monday Night Raw and shoves Steve Austin, and McMahon's like, you fucking ruined it. You know what ruined fucking nothing. Because we're going to <laughs> WrestleMania, and Austin is in full swing, yep. and yeah. that is why we yeah. talk about WCW being bought for a handful of pennies Man. and how they botched it. Such opportunity in their fucking hands and they just fumbled so hard but we're talking about the build-up sometimes being better than yeah. the orgasm fucking in thing this, in the nvo in that this, was a good stroke yeah, in this case uh <laughs> it was some good ass sex they just couldn't finish Dude, no just the uh, whole, the like, whole wah, build up, wah, wah. all those months sting dropping down beating people and up people were just fucking tuning in <laughs> just for, for that, that. Oh, for that. oh yeah you just wait yeah. because you watch the crowd on any nitro pick a nitro between the start of the end of that people are like this they'll look it up yeah where the fuck he wasn't doing anything he's just yeah, standing there at one point chris jericho and eddie guerrero would be in the ring people are looking up like where's sting yeah it's the it's the wrestling equivalent of being in the middle of sex and you're getting so fucking close, and you're about ready to come. You're about ready to come, and then you shit your pants, <laughs> and you never came. You just shit. You're like ah, oh, wrong, wrong. Why were your pants what, wrong? What fluid. day? That's like biologically that impossible. You? Jesus Christ! No, it didn't. WCW would have found a way. <laughs> 
So yeah, so uh, that uh, the, the feud fantastic, the finish uh, atrocious, but that's that's my number two feud. Damn. Ah, uh, all right, Mac. Get number, number one, one. Number one. With a bullet. Get the number one with a bullet. Fucking, so, yeah. Um, this is, I think, there are a lot of great feuds in wrestling. There are a lot of great feuds that we're talking about here today. There are a lot of great feuds we're not going to talk about today. I think this is my favorite feud. Awesome. It is a tag team feud. Mm. Dear listeners, it is the Hardys versus the Dudleys versus Edge and Christian. Um, 1999 to 2000, um, you know, special emphasis on, on, you know, WrestleMania 2000, WrestleMania 17, um, what you a know, time. just what those, those, you, you had three tag teams, right? That couldn't have looked more different. Nope. Then couldn't have really wrestled more different. Uh, uh-uh. but when they fucking came together. You know, whether it was two of them, all three of them, fucking magic happened. It was legendary. It was absolutely legendary. We had the birth of TLC. We had tables matches. We had ladder matches. We had tables, ladders matches. We had tables, ladders, and chair matches. We had a trilogy of tables, ladders, and chair matches. It's fucking smart, too. They, some of the greatest spots that we look back on that has probably set a precedent for a lot of other wrestling promotions to this day come from those guys. Um, it was just so much fun to watch because they stole almost every show they were in. Oh, yeah. At a time when WWE couldn't have been fucking hotter. Yeah, you know? I mean, it made you care about tag matches again. Yeah. There was a, oh, long, it was, it, oh, there yeah. Was a long lull uh, from the fucking rockers and... The Bushwhackers. And the Brainbusters and all yeah. that shit before you actually cared about Yeah, before you cared about any of that. And these guys just brought it. Oh, no. no, and it was incredible. Because think about how organic that was, too. First of all, here's six guys that were not stars. Nope. By any stretch no. of imagination, and this is what made them stars. And you have two guys who were the prototypical wrestlers to that yeah. time, Edge and Christian. And you had two guys that had worked their way up from being job guys who looked like they robbed the Hot Topic, the Hardy Boys. Yep. And you had two guys that looked like that were they were the guys calling your name, following you outside of a bar <laughs> because they wanted to have sex with your girl, but that's not your girl, that's your long-haired friend. And the Dudley Boys, right? Yeah. But the way, but it's also organically. So what made the Hardy Boys and Andrew Christian together was their ladder match in No Mercy '99, the Terry Reynolds Invitational, right? Yeah. Yep. The tit match, which I fucking kudos to Russo on that one. That's an acronym <laughs> for the ages. But that started the idea that all of these little gimmick matches that would build up to the yeah. legendary shit. On March nineteenth, two thousand one, on an episode of Raw, all three of them were tag team champions. All three. That's awesome. Mm. In the same night, on the road to WrestleMania, 17. the 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 belt changed to all three. Mm, I mean, that's cool. that's they're just it just it's it's that's amazing. Incredible. I've I I loved watching it. I loved experience it. Herb, what? Get the yeah. Yes! yeah. Um. Yeah. It was iconic. It's like I didn't that. know I needed that, <laughs> but I got it. it sounded but, well rehearsed. But yeah. you think? No, it wasn't. Oh, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> We've been, we haven't done that in years, but we 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 do it all the time. Um, you had you had guys who I wouldn't even call them mid card really at that stage, but nope. again you have and, and kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning, what makes a good feud? 
for number one, this had this had legs. Mm -hmm. This lasted over the course of three years with with them constantly trading the belts back and forth and and all the different matches that they had. You had a bunch of guys who all pushed each other. They all elevated each other. They all got better, I think, because of them. I don't yeah. think if you have this feud, Jeff Hardy's anything. I don't think Matt Hardy. Mm -hmm. Well, Jeff Hardy, I think, has kind of had a little bit more of the shine on mm -hmm. his career. Than necessarily Matt has. Well, one of um, those, one member of each of those teams had more shine than the other. It's the Marty right. Jannetty Shawn Michaels. No, it's yeah, but right. I, I just in terms of just like the, you don't you don't have there, there's no edge. I don't think you have edge. Oh no, not with, that without way. this. Not yeah. not not to the level that he was able to ascend to over the years. All, they're all Hall of Famers. Um, you know, of course, as they've kind of gone on their careers and gone to different promotions, they've they've been champions. You know, uh, Bubba Ray and and you know. Um, over the years and everything, but um, just just great. WrestleMania seventeen. <clears throat> just half of the people in that match of that feud of the six yeah. guys, three of them won the WWE Championship yeah. or the World Heavyweight Championship. That's something. Three of them. Yeah, it says right? something. It says and, a lot. Yeah. So it's in a tag team feud that before that this really got started, nobody gave a shit who they were. And the No Mercy match in '99 was a time filler that they just gave people that they knew would do something with the time. There it is, and then you know you had the, that ladder match between the Hardys and Edge and Christian. Then you had the Hardys versus the Dudleys in a tables match at Royal Rumble, and that morphed into a triple threat ladder match that happened to use tables and chairs. And that's also not to include the fact that every team had a third. You had Spike Dudley getting over right. from that. You had Lita getting over with the right. Hardy Boys, and you had Rhino getting over with Edge and Christian. There was collateral damage, all pun intended, all the way around on this feud, and it was. It's like, I don't think we'll ever see a mid card tag team match. That didn't even need to have the championships elevate so many people for so long. It makes Agreed. so much fun. They became yeah. household names. Yeah, yeah, like easily. I mean, those and and again, when you, when those matches were on the card and you knew it was gonna be a tables match or a TLC match or anything, it was it was the highlight of the show. Yeah. You know, we talked about a long time of how we loved Money in the Bank at WrestleMania. That's one of the. That was one of the great. I mean, talk about getting a bunch of mid card guys and having them have a twenty five minute, thirty minute showcase. But that match, in a lot of cases, started to steal WrestleMania. Mm. It, well, you made a star. Yeah. And it was hard to top it for right. at least an hour after. Yeah. So we had to move it to be its own pay-per-view, right? Um, these guys, to me, would always steal the show. I, I look forward every every night when they were on. And, mm -hmm. and I, I mean, I don't think I even have to argue this with you guys. I think there is no money in the bank without them doing what they did those years before, prior. Oh, they no made doubt. money in the mm -hmm. bank what it is. You know what you I know, mean? A big Easily. time. Ladder match spot fest of WrestleMania. That's the whole reason the money in the bank exists. It's yep. pretty wild to me. They, their, their lasting impact as six individuals. Is the money in the bank ladder match in a lot of ways. Like the spots. That, I mean, and look, I'm not a huge fan of matches and, you know, that shorten careers. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not. But I can't deny how entertaining those matches were. No. You know, I mean, they were great. There are some. Stupid bumps. Yeah, like, that's, that's, like, think stupid about bumps. what that also did for wrestling, because you didn't have oh, it elevated it. You, for well, sure. you, you you had Hell in a Cell. You had Undertaker throwing Mick off before all this stuff started happening. And everything, but you didn't. But once you started having these TLC matches, everybody did it. It was everywhere. Yeah, it was. It was. It was huge. I one of the probably one of the best impacts I can ever say, which is why people today that would never even call themselves wrestling fans talk about, oh, I love the Hardy Boys or the Dudley Boys. And it's because I remember distinctly watching TRL, 
and after school one day, and there was a promo for Sunday Night Heat. They they basically only was the Hardys and Edge and Christian jumping off shit onto each other, and they would air it with the promos for Jackass or the promos for mm. these other gimmick shows on or you know Road Rules or some other shit. But it was that's only thing that MTV who fucking aired Sunday Night Heat and music videos once upon a time just used that footage of that shit over and over again. The Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian jumping into each other, the Dudley Boys. Oh, they knew their the demographic. Oh yeah, sure. that was oh, yeah. That, what it was because they became, they became cultural like super over mid card for that. And it's a travesty that because of politics, half of that match is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Half of that match is still not in the Hall of Fame. They will be. I'm just they worried that they're going to wait until the Hardys are dead. Or at least one of them is. That's wild to me. Yeah. It shouldn't be. That should not be the case. <laughs> I don't know. How, they I don't, deserve their moment, man. I don't know how the Hardys are still alive. Like, like everything they've, everything that they've kind of put mm-hmm. themselves through. They're still taking stupid bumps. They are taking stupid bumps. Mm-hmm. Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. You know, for, for anybody that wants that to, you know, I mean, we were fortunate enough to be really growing up when this was happening. For yeah. those of you that maybe have never given at the time, just go ahead and give yourself an opportunity of watching WrestleMania 2000, SummerSlam 2000, WrestleMania 17. Yeah. It, three matches that you, you think could not possibly improve upon themselves oh man they and do. they do they do i would add honorable mention world rumble uh tables match in madison square garden yeah the hardy boys and the dudley boys that was that was from that royal rumble was fucking incredible but that's to me if you're talking about i still think 92 is the best royal rumble of all time we covered it available in the archives for the second time today <laughs> i but don't remember if, that episode if you're at talking all. about if you're, <laughs> But if you're talking about Rundle, Rundle, Grundle, <laughs> undercards, it's because I was going to do the under motion. You got to cup the balls. Yeah, you got to cup the balls. Uh, not counting the Rumble match, I don't think WrestleMania two, Royal Rumble 2000, any Rumble's ever close because you have that match and you have the fucking Triple H Cactus Jack match. Such garden. One of the fucking match. best matches of that is not Animania ever. Oh my God. But yeah. 100%. Good, good call. Mm-hmm. Good call. All right. In that vein. My number one fucking call, because if we're going to talk about brutality and shit that made people a fucking star, my number one feud that oh is not hard and awesome mm. is The Rock and Mankind slash Mick Foley. <sighs> like, you're talking about, we started down this fucking road in our Survivor Series 98 two-parter episode, right. also available in the butt-fucking archives. Great episode, but, by the way. But yes, which saw the idea of Brock position as a babyface and Mankind as this piece of shit suck-up totally you you could sympathize with him heel and they switched you on a dime with a double turn at survivor series 98 and now the rock is the piece of shit heel and everyone feels bad for mankind and they motherfucking rode that wave until the build-up for wrestlemania they really did some of the well i'm just gonna call i still think royal rumble that year is one of the most brutal things anyone has ever done in the history of wrestling i hard agree it's 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 it is tough to watch. Like it is sickening and difficult to watch. There, there were no, there's no barbed wire. There was no exploding rings. There's no fluorescent bulbs. No one was jumping off of like a ladder. It was just violent. It was exceptionally violent. Unnecessarily Un- unprotected. Handcuffed behind your back. I do chair shots that just just made. To this day, this man forgets sometimes where he lives because of that match. But before that. No, as brutal as that is, one of the most pure-hearted moments in wrestling history that despite all the odds, the guy that couldn't get hired by the WWF because of how he looked, because he was a deathmatch wrestler, he used to light himself on fire, had his ear ripped off by Vader in Germany, 
fucking climbs the mountain and against all odds beats the golden boy and becomes WWF champion. Goosebumps. Mm -hmm. Now still thinking about Massive like, pop. That is uh, and, and I'm not getting political for a second, but when my when George W. Bush was elected president, my dad said, Well, anything's possible. Anyone can achieve any kind of job. <laughs> well, when Mick Foley won the WWF <laughs> championship, and fucking anybody, if you fucking are good enough. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter what you do. You can fucking do it if you're if you're in the right place, the right time, and the right set of skills. And that is just one of the all time moments in the history of Raw. If you ask me, which is the most important wrestling show in history, top five moments, Mick Foley winning the belt, dude. Like, and we don't get there without that Survivor Series '98. But we don't get to the Rumble. The most dastardly thing I've ever seen a heel do, which was assault a man 16 times to the dome while he's handcuffed in front of his actual kids. Yes. Looking his kids in the eye while you brain him so hard, he legitimately didn't remember where he lived. Like, and that, and, oh, first of all, watch Beyond the Mat. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yes, watch But that. to know we still had more to go in that feud <laughs> after that, yeah. the first ever halftime heat with the Super Bowl halftime where the Rockets oh pinned by the aid of a forklift. <laughs> That's so great. Which how is about... the silliest fucking camera shot in history. <laughs> yes. of how about the fucking hubris of Vince McMahon to be like, I'm going to go up against the Super Bowl halftime show. And do Russell was well. so hot, they yeah, could just do I know. it. And That's do my well. point. Yeah. He did. And then for all of that to happen, which ends ultimately in that short term with Mick Foley being involved in the main event of the first Austin Rock WWF Championship match at WrestleMania, for them to turn all the way around. And how, when if I were to say Mick Foley and The Rock, what do you think of? You don't think about that. You think about The Rock and Sock connection. Because you went from that fucking barbaric, barbaric shit to one of the most wholesome things to ever come out of the goddamn Attitude Era. Yeah. A dude with a sock. And The Rock, and it was just fucking. It was. It, it's like, like to me, that's like described WWE Attitude Era. Well, there was this guy. He had a sock. He got brained in front of his kids, but they became friends, and they love each other in the end. And they eventually teamed up to lose to Randy Orton. It was magical. Now, at one point <laughs> earlier in this episode, we talked about uh, Austin and Rock, and and I, I I started to say, and I didn't get a chance to help. Like one of the things that made their feud so great, I think, was because they're so different. Uh, they're very opposite. I don't know if it gets more polar opposite than Mick Foley and, and Dwayne Johnson. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't really think, so. think not, it exists. Not realistically. I don't think realistically. Like, wrestling style, the way they look, the way they talk, the way they walk, everything, everything about them was totally One looks different. like he's chiseled out of stone, and the other one looks like... He just... <laughs> like, you added water to the stone shot, and yeah. whatever muck was on the ground... He came out from under a, the stone. Yeah. Remember those things from. you used to get out of, like, you would get, like, from the, the drugstore, where it's like, it was like a little pill... And if you just add water, it's going to turn into a dinosaur. Yeah. That never, ever fucking looked like the dinosaur in the box. It just looked like Mick Foley. I'm going to yeah. use what Rock said in the promo once. Because whenever yeah. I think about Mick Foley and their feud, there's, for some reason, this one line he says, like, you, Mick Foley looks like a 500-pound gorilla came down, took a crap, and out rolled my, Mankind's monkey ass. Hmm. Like That's how the Rock saw Mankind. He looked at him, he's totally beneath him. He yeah, was just a like dirty, him. creepy man. I'm the future. I have... Third generation pedigree, and you're a homeless looking dude that mutilates himself yes. for the benefit of 200 people. You're not in my league. We're and not the, the same. fucking clash, though, and you wanted it. You wanted every moment of it. Yeah, they uh, they really fed off each other extraordinarily well. And, and there's a theme here Mick Foley. Yeah, Mick Foley is mm. so good at his job. Yeah, Mick Foley was babyface then. And, what, and, and he was 98. Big time yeah. babyface, yeah, too. Yeah, he was with DX, who was also babyface. We, yeah. shouldn't, we shouldn't be surprised because Ric Flair, you know, worked against Dusty Rhodes. 
I mean, again, mm-hmm. there's there, there couldn't be two more polar man. opposite people. Man, at least to they work like together. we're both white guys with blonde hair. We can go that route. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> we can go somewhere. They both there's some sort of belt, line right? we can draw between. But the two. Yeah, but I've seen that's. I know where you're going with that, but it was so much more iconic because here's the thing: The Rock with his tights and his chiseled look, and the corporation and Mick Foley's wearing. Uh, dirty dress shirt <laughs> and sweatpants. And so fuck it. We're, yeah. we're not even paying attention to the fact that The Rock legitimately exposed Mick for wrestling in whitey tighties with a skid mark on him on national TV. And people didn't get grossed out. They're like, fuck yeah, Mick. I got a skid mark too. You s- fucking beat his ass. <laughs> you beat his ass. You beat his ass. <laughs> I, I just think that that, I mean, of all their encounters, my favorite is definitely the Rumble. Although, uh... Valentine's Day Massacre is up there. That is that is a great show. Yeah. That's yes. an underrated pay-per-view. Uh, again, people don't talk about it often. I don't know why that is. Because you think about the debut of the big show, and that's how much people really think about it. But, man, yeah. there's some solid matches on that going, yeah. going into WrestleMania. But uh, I think that, I mean, ultimately, I mean, that Rumble match, I've watched that match a lot. Because uh, I'm a big fan of The Rock, a big fan of McFoley. But to watch him hit him, the, the spot where he takes the bell, and he goes, Bells will be ringing. Bang. Like Jesus Christ, man! You're gonna bust That's an eardrum. Skull. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> the match was so brutal. like, it, but you said it was so violent, but it didn't have the tropes that you have now with wrestling well, matches that are overly violent. It was just some weapons and just brutality. Well, you also got to think Mick Foley had made a career up to that point of being unbelievably violent. But so it's like, how could you be that brutal and that violent, but within Vince's parameters? You want to talk about, gentlemen? I feel like you know this, but do you guys, you ever heard of the Nesty Plunge? That's gross. Isn't that you, something? It's the grossest is, is thing it, you've ever seen. You say the Nestle Plunge? No, 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 Nesty no, no, no. Plunge. The Nesty Plunge. Okay, okay, so the Nestle no. Plunge, we're not having something that's at Hershey no. Park. No, so the Nesty Plunge. Like water right, First of all, right, right, yes. so yeah, there yeah. used to be a commercial <laughs> where people, for Nesty iced tea in the 80s and early 90s, where they were like talking about how flabbergasted they were, about how thirsty, so they do a splash backwards into a pool full of nest tea iced tea mm-hmm. to show you how refreshing and life-changing nest tea was. I want to... I want to... I read this in Mick Foley's book. And it gave me a different perspective on him as a human being. Did the nest tea plunge, like, fall it's a into spot. Mick Foley? It's a spot. Oh. He called the nest tea plunge. Yeah. That he did for a while. Like, a long while. Too okay. long. So, this spot... Once is too long. Yeah, goddamn. Never doing it is a good idea. So, the spot, which was a, his idea, I'm pretty confident... Was he would take, he'd be on the apron, and someone would hit him off the apron, and he would do a flat back onto the concrete. Not pants. Onto the concrete. And he would purposefully hit his, the back of his head off the concrete. Purposefully. To get color. To get blood. Off the back of his head. Off the back of his head. And he would do this over and over again to the point where he started getting, like, dizzy spells. And it wasn't healing right. That man, Michael Foley, is cut from a totally different cloth than most human beings are. He's not cut from cloth. He's cut from Kevlar. <laughs> yeah. So when I... So, like, the level of punishment that he can physically take... And I... You can't pay me to do that. You can't pay me a million dollars to do that. Because I don't know what's going to happen if I land the wrong way. There is no right way to land that. Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's no... There's no good way so to end that. I want it, sure. while we talk about this, the, the Rumble specifically, like kind of put that in perspective that Mick Foley was doing that years before. Just willingly, actively. Because he's that guy. <laughs> he's the toughest man that probably exists. In, in, a, in, in, a, in a certain in way. In a legitimate way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that match was 
was so good, but it was so unnecessarily violent. And yeah, uh, that, my number one. That's not Bret Hart and Steve Austin. Yeah, that feud was so good, and it was funny, and it was the the empty, empty arena match was funny. Yeah, like before uh, delete delete before the Hardy Compound before AJ and Undertaker before all that shit we had that empty, empty arena, arena match. match. That was right? meta. And think about that, like, it all culminates with the babyface aspect. The highest rated segment in the history of Monday Night Raw is when they're both babyfaces, and this is your life, Raw. Yep. With mm-hmm. McFoley. That's the highest rated segment in the history of professional wrestling in Monday Night Raw. Is that 15, 20 minutes. That went way over, by the way. Yes. And we don't get there without all the bullshit they put each other through. All right, Doc. It's time for your number one. <clears throat> I, I'm going to try to set a little context um, without going too long, obviously. So, professional wrestling is a big deal. My my formative years growing up, mm-hmm. I didn't watch a ton of it when I was really little. We just didn't watch it. Uh, it wasn't a thing my parents were into. Uh, but I watched it through my aunt Debbie, rest in peace. Uh, and so she would babysit me and my sister, and I would watch it. Usually, main event, WWF main event or something like that Saturday mm-hmm. night. Uh, and my earliest and i've had this conversation with at least at least two of you my earliest memory of life or of two things hans being frozen in carbonite Beautiful. for whatever reason i just remember that's the first real image i have that i remember is and well getting- hold on hold on please and of randy savage being hit with a guitar by the honky-tonk man montages so when i was growing up like you have those images in your head you think like oh you just made that up like, I didn't have... I knew the carbonite was real, but, like, I was convinced that I'd taken images and just put it together. Yeah. Little did I know I'd seen that live. Yeah. On, like, NBC. Savage Pain Event. Because that was the night, effectively, that Savage turned face. Yeah. Because the Hart Foundation and the Honky Tonk Man had, had uh, jumped him, and Hogan came out and saved him. And I think that's so... It, it, so, this feud, to me, is really, like, it's really a cool thing. Hogan and Savage. To, for my money is the greatest feud of all time. Uh, for my money is the most raw feud of all time. There was no blood. There were no crazy chair shots. Mm-hmm. But it was personal. It was- and it was professional. Right? Because you have Randy Savage who comes in as a heel. And all the big heel managers want a piece of him. But he wants Elizabeth. Right. Yep. He goes on, becomes Intercontinental Champion. Excuse me. Yes. Elizabeth. I'm sorry. Elizabeth. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. He becomes heavy, Intercontinental Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion of the World. Yeah. And because he's he's badass, he's cool, he becomes a face at WrestleMania 4 and in a great showing, wrestling like three times at least, having a great match with Ted DiBiase. But it starts there. Right there. Because Savage wins the title, the first fucking thing Hogan does, he grabs the belt and hands it to him. Not the ref. Hogan does. Always hot dogging. Cunt Hogan. Always trying to, <laughs> always stepping in <laughs> the limelight. Always grandstanding. Hot dogging. Hogan must pose. So, but then we have the Mega Powers. Listen, we're talking two big time baby faces. Obviously, Unheard of. Obviously, Hogan is I'm the bigger of the two. He is professional wrestling at that point, right? He's rocking wrestling. But Savage is the heavyweight champion of the world. And together with Elizabeth and her not really doing anything but standing around, 
they become the mega powers and they explode in greatness. And for months, they're doing cr- just fighting all heels, all comers. Yeah, unbeatable. But it's always there. This little line. Every time Hogan looks at Elizabeth a little differently, Savage notices. Every time he touches her, picks her up, Savage sees it. Savage gets eliminated by accident by Hogan at the Royal Rumble. Was it an accident? I don't know. Right? Hogan said it was. Yeah, Hogan said a lot of things. Mm. A lot of things. He did, didn't he? (laughs) Uh, We'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this... So, there's there's so much happening with this. This leads us to... I don't know. It was the Saturday Night Main Event. It was Saturday Night's Main Event. And February. Liz takes a nasty fucking bump through Savage. Like... It looked good. Oh, nobody was allowed to touch Elizabeth. But Savage. Except Savage. And when he went, he, he knocked the her the shit fuck out down. Of her. He made it look legit. <laughs> so Hogan carries her off, leaving Savage to get his ass whipped for a while, several minutes. For, for too long. For two, two minutes too long. Yeah. And look. I have seen heel turns that were great that I didn't see coming that were meaningful and impactful, but there's something about the raw nature of that 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 scene, that that segment where Hogan is like, like, dude, what the fuck, man? Well, and yeah, Savage is he... in his face and he's pointing at him, and he's like, listen, motherfucker, I'm done with this shit. And you could, see, I don't know about you, but you could see it from Savage's point of view. Another great, that's what makes this view great because was Savage really wrong? Nope. No. No, he wasn't. And he, here's to add into that, right? They did it in two parts on that episode. It, they, they they had Savage, well, for what would be known as Martelling somebody after that, right? They had, so Hogan comes back. Hogan comes back. Yeah, he right? does come back. And he does come back. And Hogan uh, it, wants in. And Savage is like, he tags him and he's like, no, I'm fucking done with you. And did he, he slap him in the face or something? He does. He yeah. does. Yeah. He, he, and he gives him the hands that the, like, I'm, I'm fucking done with you. You can come find me if you want to talk to me, kind of a thing. And he backs away and leaves Hogan to his odds, to, which he overcomes because Hogan must pose. Right. But the fucking part B. It was so raw. Like, because look, these are two guys who, again, like, we don't get this anymore because wrestling has changed to the point where there are now performance centers and schools that are just throwing people out there. There aren't territories where people can really uh. learn their craft, learn how to how to really perform for the camera. But listen, I, 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 you know, I'd sent that, uh, that scene, that segment to you guys in the group chat, which I highly recommend everybody. Savage turns heel 1988 and 1989. Throw that in your, your YouTube and you will find it. And it is, if it doesn't give you goosebumps, you're dead. You're not, you're not alive. There's no. no way. Because it was, it's like a master class of how do you go from being like a number two babyface to being the number one heel in uh-huh. seconds. And, like, because it wasn't just, like, what was being said. It was the body language. And he kept, like, keeps pointing at Hogan, pointing. And he's like, get out of my thing. He's swimming his, oh, swinging his hand. Elizabeth is just in fear. And just, the whole thing. Yeah. But, you know, to be fair, if you look long enough, legit, Liz looks like she's trying not to laugh. Well, like, I mean, how, <laughs> how many times have you guys been out in a bar? Or, like, been outside in, like, the bar district and everything. And you see two people standing outside. And they're just screaming at each other. And there's, like, a girl in the middle just like, don't do it. Just don't. Mm-hmm. Just, just walk away. Brad, walk just away, stop. Brad. You don't have to do it. It's mm-hmm. not worth no, it. No, actually, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's not worth it. Yes. Um, it, like, no. that's what was happening mm-hmm. here. And then it gets real. Because Savage is like, you know, he laid it all on the table for him. Mm-hmm. If you really look, go back to that segment. And everything hinges on the segment. Yeah. If it, if it fails... 
I mean, Savage still turns heel, but it's not the same. He doesn't feel the way. But he lays it all out for him. And if you really listen to what they're both saying, Hogan doesn't say shit. Hogan's just denying it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, deny, like, deny, what deny. I do, what I do, what I do. Like, if you, if you were working with somebody and you ended up fucking their girlfriend, right? And they come at you with all the facts in front of you, but you still don't want to do it. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Here's what's going on. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because that's all Hogan did. But here's a fun fact. And for the people that are listening to this that haven't seen it, it, part B of that Saturday Night's Main event is Hogan goes back to the training room where Elizabeth is recovering from her nasty getting taken out by Savage. And Hogan's like, Liz, you got it. Savage is laying. Hogan comes in and Savage is there. And Savage is like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yes. Haven't I made this clear? Get the fuck out of here. And Hulk's like, what are you talking about? We're a team. I'm checking on her. He's like, get the fuck out of here right now. And Savage walks away and Hogan starts pleading with Liz. You got to talk to him. Some sense. He's going crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And then Savage fucking creams him. Fucking hits him so hard. Now, then, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, no, not Hulk Hogan. Oh, Macho Man, you're a dashly person. But anyone yep. with a fucking brain, you're like, get him, Macho. <laughs> <laughs> get him. Get him. Hit him Come harder, on, Randy. Give it to him. Yes. Here's here's a fun fact about that. That segment almost didn't happen. Like, almost didn't come out because that shit was shot time to tape. They didn't have a chance to really edit that shit in as much as they could. And so they're working back. And Dick Ebersole, the head of NBC Sports yeah. and head of NBC eventually at that point, is counting everybody down. We need to get this segment in. We need to get this shit in. We have to have it and hit the spot. It has to come in close. And so when Savage walks away, Ebersole apparently is pleading with him to get back in there. And Savage is like, no, wait. We gotta wait. And he's just sitting there seething and waiting. And Bruce Pritchard has said that he didn't think Savage was gonna... They thought they were gonna miss their time. Because the episode was gonna run over. They thought they were gonna miss They're it. They running out of time. And Savage waited to the right time That's and awesome. fucking creamed them. And boom. The mega powers and boom. Yeah, so... And, and this is... Okay, it's... And yeah, the, oh, this feud. It's the, the Hogan, the Savage... Listen, WrestleMania 5. A pretty good WrestleMania. But the main event was solid. Savage... That's the whole... It's one matchup. Yeah. Like, Savage is... From again, I, I keep I brought him up twice already. You know, before he is one of the greats of all time, ever. Period. Facts. Yeah. Uh, he makes everybody look better than they are. But the reason why this feud, technically to me, is the greatest of all time, not counting Bret and Austin, is because Savage Tur- okay comes in, he's heel, turns babyface, becomes heavyweight champion at WrestleMania four. He's big time. Mega powers explode. It's a really big deal for little kids everywhere and fans everywhere. He's a big time heel. Macho King. He runs well for a couple years. And then he turns face at WrestleMania 7. One of the greats. I don't know if there was a better fucking character arc in wrestling, period, than Macho losing his the career match against the Warrior, but then gaining Elizabeth at the fucking end. They had been separated since 1980-fucking-nine. Since S- WrestleMania S- 5. Since the match between going in there and she sides with Hogan. And he he's done with her. And she pleads with him then. I don't know if anyone... Ha- no one really remembers the Saturday Night's Man event, like the three after WrestleMania 5. It's her trying to talk to Savage. And she, he won't have her. He's like, you turned your back on me and that's and all those Hulkamaniacs. You can have them. I don't want you. I'm done with you. You're trash. And he heals on her. And you feel bad for Elizabeth, but she goes away. Yep. And he gets Sherry, who was the fucking best call yes. in the history of the world. Talk about if cocaine was yeah. a person. And I say that respectfully, because sensational Sherry fucking had it all. And I don't care, right? Like, it, Sherry, when she was a young girl, Sherry, when she was the macho queen, or Sherry at the end of her, unfortunately, cut way too short life, right. I'd fucking take a poke at uh, sensational Sherry anytime. And I want her crazy as fuck. 
the whole time. Like, I don't care. I tell my wife, honey, I want to poke sensational sherry. She's right there. She is. <laughs> she's about to she's play. literally right there. She's about to play the flute anyway. So, so yeah, that that I took, for my money, that is the greatest feud of all time. It's the greatest buildup, a great payoff. And then the aftermath was just as good with the and they c- carrying that character arc of Macho Man becoming Macho King and then swinging right back up. There's a scene. Listen, I don't know if you guys have seen that WrestleMania match with uh, Warrior and, and Savage, right? It, the match was great, actually, considering match, it was yeah, fucking yeah, war, but it was because yeah. of Savage. But the payoff, man. You don't the, care about the see, match. When, 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 but, but when Savage, they're going to leave the ring, and Liz opens the ropes for him, as she, as she has done for years prior, like she always did, Savage goes, no. And he pulls her aside and op- opens, rings for her. opens the ropes yeah. for her. And, Gee, mm. Fucking goosebumps because right, that right now, is a changing. That is such character development. To that was years in the making. And years of it. To say something that a lot of these moments are going to have, just like the WCW stuff, just like I think maybe not the Attitude Era stuff that we got to have there, but definitely the early stuff. What makes that moment even better is Bobby Heenan stops being a fucking heel. Yes, and he's yeah. like, "This is real. He yeah. loves her. She yes. loves him." Dude, there are people and crying in the crying. fucking ring. I cry. There's, I cry every time I watch it. People fucking legitimately crying in the audience it's watching perfect. this. Roll credits. Cut. We had been waiting years to watch Macho do that one thing and treat her with respect, and it took him becoming a fucking piece of shit heel twice. The biggest piece of shit. <laughs> and then becoming a king, and then losing his career. And then becoming a babyface in the same night. Well, not the not the not the hark on it too much, but the in between that was WrestleMania five when the Mega Powers explode, yeah. and WrestleMania seven when the arc comes all back together. WrestleMania six, his involvement in Toronto, big WrestleMania, the same one Hogan and Warrior are on, is he and Sherry against Dusty Rhodes yep. and Sapphire, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Dusty Rhodes makes an appearance again, and who do they show in the audience at WrestleMania six? Elizabeth. Yep. Watching, just planting seeds, waiting for it. like goosebumps. It's yeah. like you don't fucking this get shit anymore. This shit started in 1988 and, yeah. and paid off in fucking 1991. Mm, yeah. mm, See, mm, and we were mm, fucking mm, seven mm. years old and we were eating the shit out of that. Oh, t- third, I'm 37 and I still eat the shit out of it. <laughs> so yeah, that is my number one. That is that is beyond me the greatest fucking feud I've ever witnessed or had the opportunity to witness after the fact. I'm gonna go ahead and say Agreed. before you get going, David. I'm yeah. really wondering because I know you've been trying to jump in there. I just want to raise a glass right now. To the Macho Man Randy Savage. I'll drink the Macho. Fucking talk about gone way too soon. For sure. And fucking right. legendary in everyone's book. To the Macho Man. So, Mac, what did you want to say? Well, so we were talking before the podcast started, and I stopped myself. And I want to make sure I had a chance to say it here. There's a reason why, in as we're talking about the greatest leaders of all time, that Macho Man keeps popping up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a wrestler who is as good as Macho Man Randy Savage has been. And can may, maybe also still be considered an underrated wrestler in the pantheon of professional wrestling. Give me that. I don't think that maybe bar Ric Flair, that there is a more complete wrestler in terms of what it is to be a wrestler. Some guys are amazing on the mic, and they're just okay in the ring. Right. Mm-hmm. They can do very, very well for themselves. Uh, Stone, well, Stone Cold, even after... I mean, he was great before the injury, but, you know, yeah, after the injury, he was, he was limited, right? 98 Austin. Yeah. Um, you know, we always like to, to to kind of, over the years, we've loved to give The Miz some shit. Yeah. But there's a reason The Miz has had staying power, because the, on the mic, he gets it, yeah. right? Um, but to have... To be, you know, a, a 9 or a 10 as a wrestler, to be 9 or 10 as, you know, on the mic... To be 
a nine or a ten as a storyteller in the ring and outside of the ring and have all these iconic moments happen, I mean, do we give even as much due as we give Macho Man, do we still give him enough due? No. We don't. Mm-mm. Because you can't. Because, you know, we talked about never in wrestling would it ever has it happened since and will ever have again have an Austin and The Rock. But they had it with Hogan and Macho. But they realized Vince wanting that payoff, which is, again, I wish they wouldn't have, but, it, but I'm grateful they did, uh, to turn Mosh back heel and knowing that was the plan for a year-long story. Yeah. What is the world we live in like if Hogan never existed? What would that have looked like for Macho Man? I mean, he's a second-generation wrestler. Here, let me ask you this. Let me piggyback on that and ask you this question. There are people who have never watched wrestling in their lives. That if you said name a hand, name wrestlers, they're gonna say Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, the right, Macho yep. Man. Mm-hmm. Facts. And if For you sure. said impersonate one pro wrestler to anybody, <laughs> almost every single person is gonna do Macho Man. Nobody, nobody doesn't have a Macho Man. Nobody, no, nobody. Because even if you weren't a professional wrestler. You watch Saturday morning cartoons, and you all fucking snapped into a Slim Jim at oh, some yeah. point in your life. Yeah, snap into a Slim you know, Jim. Yeah. You know, woo! And you know, oh yeah! Everyone's got, Everybody more people have does. him than, a, than they have a walking. You know what yeah. I mean? And everyone's savage is better than their walking. That's like guaranteed. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. It, he, he transcends, and but I, I agree with you. I don't think he'll ever get enough credit. You know, my... Uh, I'm sure one day we'll have an episode where we talk about our favorite matches of all time. And, and you know, I go back to WrestleMania 3 between Steamboat and Savage. You know, Man, that, that match. Hell of a match. That match is the whole reason why Ring of Honor, AEW, Impact Wrestling, and most of modern high spot style independent wrestling can exist. Because those two guys decided we're going to do eight near falls in 25 seconds. Yeah. And, and every wrestler ever was like, oh shit. The only thing more influential in the history of wrestling was the first time Shawn Michaels decided to throw a super kick. That was it. Yeah, you ain't mm-hmm. lying. No. Yeah. That was it. It's incredible. And I'd love to do that. And we'll, we'll, there's so many ideas we have about just doing cherry-picking matches throughout history. But speaking of history, it's now time. Jafar, oh, take man. us home. Yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's... Number let's, one. It, 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 it really is fitting that you have the last pick on this one. Why's that? Just because of what the pick is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, let's fast forward 10 years from Hogan and Savage. Only 10 years, by the way. Let's talk about crazy, right? Peak Attitude Era and the creation of the character, Mr. McMahon, and his feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, my God. In, In my opinion, one of the greatest feuds in all of wrestling. I mean, it epitomized the Attitude Era. It is. It, it put WWF ahead in the Monday Night Wars, and it was just an exciting fucking journey to watch. You know, it's it started with uh, Austin getting a shot at the title, Vince not wanting Austin to get a shot at the title, yeah. uh, trying to sabotage and prohibit that as much as possible. He didn't want this badass guy, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, to give a bad name to his kid-friendly WWF programming. I love it so much. Uh, which is just absurd in, in and of itself. And he wanted to do everything he could to not let Stone Cold be champion. Enough so that he brought in Mike Tyson, Iron Mike Tyson, uh, 
who ended up double crossing McMahon, right? To give Stone Cold the belt, which uh, only elevated Michaels. the McMahon character to yeah, even he, further heights. Yeah, because he at that point he was not very involved in the ring. He wasn't super jacked like like nope. he became. I mean, he was, but not that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah not, not that, show jacked. Not that way. Uh, but over the course of, of those few years, you know, obviously he wasn't wrestling against McMahon, which is why it makes it sort of a unique feud in and of itself, because it's like the company yeah. and McMahon against Stone Cold Steve Austin. But along the way, those those number of years from like 98 to 2000 and early 2001, uh, just the amount and the lengths that Vince went to to try to stop Austin from being Austin to the point where he was hired and then or fired and then rehired by Shane, which was also a double cross. All of which and is then, covered in our Survivor Series <laughs> yes, 98 episode. That's right. yeah, and and then, that's part one. Yeah, and then part all, one. Yeah, and then ultimately in WrestleMania 17, Vince and Austin aligning and then unaligning and later Kumbaya. down the road. And yeah, uh, it was just so fun. And I mean, Austin, when you think about wrestling, you know, in that era, you know, we talked about Hogan and Savage and flair and those guys and how like they were wrestling at that time and in the attitude area era it was austin it was rock and without austin in that time period i don't think we have professional wrestling what it is no today no um wwf doesn't win the war no so when you have a character like stone cold steve austin that has such a meteoric rise mm-hmm and we have never seen it before. We have never seen it since. We may never see it again, right? How do you have him really face off against anybody who's his equal? There is no equal. No, not in that way. He is so far and above everybody else in the business. Even post-neck injury. Yeah. Right. So what do you do? You find the only person who's really superior to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, like, shoot, yeah. Who is not a fucking wrestler at all. And then you give the one thing that every fucking person in the world can relate to. Because say everything we love to say about wrestling. It is so unfucking relatable to real life. Yeah. <laughs> it just right. is. Yeah. But you know what you can relate to? You go to jail for everything. Sticking it to your fucking boss. That's Everybody it. has that dream. And what a time. Of being able to go up to your boss, give him both middle fingers, and then just Fuck give him it. something that he will walk away from and ultimately not fire you over. Right. <laughs> to be able to be so fucking big that you can look at your boss and say, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to you, and you know you can't fire me, because if you fire me, you're going to be fucking closed door. Your business is done. Yeah. Because WCW is just going to walk away from it, right? Yeah. What a time. And it just it just lends itself to, um, to the greatest feud of... I, you're right. There is no professional wrestling if that didn't happen. No, not in the way we know. Not, it. not in the way we know no. it today. No, and I have no. Even if WCW wins the war, I don't trust WCW not to fuck up the entirety of all of wrestling for the rest. They would have WCW. And we're sitting here talking about Yu-Gi-Oh or some shit <laughs> on a podcast. No, it's interesting too because I and up what all four of us put as number one are four different sides of an unbelievable thing that you. That they're all part of wrestling that you can't. You can't explain wrestling without these important 
crucial yeah. parts, the, the 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 ladder matches and the TLC and that and that pandemonium that happened in the mid card while some of this other shit that was going on. The rise of The Rock and Mick Foley. Fuck it. The mega powers exploding at the peak of Hulkamania. And WrestleMania in 4 and 5 and up until 7. And then fucking McMahon and Austin. Which made more money than anything. That right. we're talking about. Without And there wasn't... One of the guys involved wasn't even a fucking wrestler. They had two matches. Three technically if you ever want to count it. One where McMahon had his... Where Austin had his arm tied behind right. his back. And that was when Foley turned heel. And came out as Dude Love uh, right after WrestleMania 14. Then you had Austin McMahon enter into the Royal Rumble as number one and number two. One and two. Yeah. And then St. Valentine's Day Massacre, an underrated right. pay-per-view. And they don't fucking touch again until they were in the ladder mat here and there, right? Until the fucking turn. Yeah. Attacks with bedpans and ambulances. The birth of soccer. Zambonis. The corporation. The ministry. The corporate ministry. The beer bath. The yeah. Zamboni truck. Every you don't get the milk. Thing. You don't get the milk truck without the uh, the beer truck. That's right. No. Well, just think about that it's too. True. For Vince true. McMahon to have the wherewithal to know that we can continuously escalate this every week, because you never knew what Stone Cold was going to do week in and week out, right? The bedpan. It, the bedpan's iconic. It really it's just is. like it's one bad. of the most Five iconic moments. It's but fucking it stayed absurd, with you. But and you it's also, how do you feel about a doctor yeah. and he turns he's like, I don't know, nurse. And the nurse <laughs> runs and he's like, oh, God. Yeah, oh, that's it, it. It's man. like, oh. he's just punching his leg. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on here? Fuck it. You know. the, the higher power. Yeah. Who's the high? It was me, Austin. It was oh, me yes. all along, Austin. You're like, you mother. Yeah, I think it was going to be Jake Roberts the entire time. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was supposed to be Christopher Daniels of all oh, people. God. Listen, yeah. I will tell you this, Jeff. Uh, you know, obviously, my, my number one and two had nothing to do with McMahon and Austin, ultimately. But uh, you can't talk professional wrestling over the last 20 years. 40 years. 40 years. Uh, without talking about the greatest heel of all time, Vince McMahon. Mr. McMahon, excuse me. Mr. McMahon is the greatest heel of all time. No I don't know if there is a more easily hateable character in wrestling oh, history. Absolutely. Outside of oh, Stephanie. Great, the Stephanie's the only... She's <laughs> oh. like, it's like 1A, 1-2. No, see, I... I, I, I and I'm, I'm going to get flagged from this on the internet, I'm sure. Or who the fuck listens to our show, so it probably doesn't ultimately matter. But I don't think Stephanie could ever be considered in the conversation for the greatest heel of all time. Because she continually cuts the balls out of wrestlers, but they can't, get, she can't ever get her comeuppance. The only time she ever gets comeuppance is when statement. she's on the ring apron and Triple H, her husband, accidentally bumps into her and sends her through a table or knocks. Her I off. mean, I did yeah. see Rock give her a rock bottom. I mean, back in the day, yeah, but since then she's continued to cut the balls out of people and slap their face and walk away, and nothing ever happens. Yeah, she's like, a McMahon, but a, not the McMahon. Yes, but, a true yes. heel should. Can cut all the balls out of whoever they want, but when the time comes, you pay it back with some. So the person you cut the balls off of is a bigger star than when you in initially went snipping. But yeah, McMahon's the greatest heel in the history of wrestling. I, it's it's mm -hmm. wild. It's to like, me. and we you know who we have to we we have to thank for that. Bret Hart. Bret Hart. All goes back to Montreal. It all Georgia. comes back to available sweat. in yes. the archives. Yes, uh, which we will spot. revisit one day in greater Sooner length than later. with more experience now. Good call, gentlemen. All good calls for honorable so. mentions yeah. all the way through, yeah. no and uh, it was a good call for everyone to join us here today, guys. We're forgetting something. We are forgetting We're, something. Well, yeah, I'm getting there. Okay, right. I was, sure. was segueing. Right. Everyone to join us today, as we have made it 49 episodes into this journey, but there are questions to be asked still. 
around the table. What is next for nothing good? What happens in the future? But more immediately, one last question on this topic. Yeah. And I'm going to start it off here. Who wants to go? I'll Raise go. your hand. All right. I'll go right now. Let me ask I, this. I mean, I, it was my question, so I already had an answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, actually, then there are two questions that we had to ask. Well. So, Doc. I knew he forgot. So no, no, yeah, no. I well, is, yeah. Because I, I thought my uh, my question yeah, yeah, that I proposed yeah, yeah. was the one. Uh, so I thought everyone was like, "Oh, everyone remember my what's question?" The most important feud. That was that, and then yes. Dream Book. Which one do you want to do first? I mean, I feel like the most important one is the most important one, right? Yeah. So yeah. we'll go real quick through. If you had to book, your in your mind, if you could pick two guys or two teams or whatever for, throughout wrestling history and put them in a feud that you wish you could have seen or you thought would be money. Uh, for me, I think. Rowdy Roddy Piper, 1979, mm-hmm. 1983, mm-hmm. before WrestleMania mm-hmm. won, when Piper was red-hot heel. When he, There are a few wrestlers as hateable as Rowdy Piper well, in the late Sydney 70s. Lopper in the face, red-hot heel. Dude, yeah. like, dude was like a special type of like arrogant and hateable. He'd come out and spend three minutes waiting for the match. He'd come out, take his jacket off slowly, get his bagpipes, play his bagpipe, take his kilt off, just getting heat. Getting pe- yeah, pissed people off. Love Piper. Piper. And most people. Legend. I mean, me. I didn't watch Piper in his in his prime. Like ultimately, mm-hmm. I didn't. But I've gone back and watched old matches. Is Dude was, he was so scrapper. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Him in 1997, 1998, Steve Austin. Ooh. I'm telling you right now, their their styles are very similar, obviously. But it's not about the styles clashing. Dude, it's the story they'd be able to tell. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, a heel Piper. I mean, really heel Piper went, and he went, because back in the day, Piper had no problems with offending people. No. <laughs> Zero issues with saying some shit that would get you cut. And he, he relished it, because he didn't want to be cool, he wanted to be hated. Because mm-hmm. cause heels want to, you know, you, people want to see the heel get their ass whipped, basically. Yeah. But Red Hot Steve Austin, as a face, but that brawler... You know, flipping fingers the whole nine yards with that stack. Rowdy Roddy Piper would would just rake in cash. And the matches and the promos would be great. That's that's my pick. That's a damn good thing. Oh, my God, the promos. Yeah, I'm telling you. They even had a nice little thing in WrestleMania 21 when Austin was the guest on Piper's Pit. Wasn't the same because they were both out of ring shape and into that thing then. But you got a sliver of Piper being Piper and Austin being Austin. Before they shit can somebody in Austin stun Piper, but it 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 wasn't because you know what Piper what has the ability had the ability to especially when he was young and even in his later years I mean he still did it but like he had the ability to go from very kind of loose to dead fucking serious in your face oh, scary. in seconds yeah. scary yeah because yeah. Piper feared no one at least it didn't seem like he did. And I just I feel like that would be such a cool th- that we will never see obviously, but I would pay good fucking money for that fucking feud. Nice, Jeff. Yeah, I think uh, one thing I would have liked to see, and maybe it's more of just a single match than a whole feud, but uh, peak Dead Man Undertaker with Crow Sting. I'd see the that. match we never I would, got. I thought about that. We would love got. to see. And 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 a lot of you know loyal fan base were yearning for that as you know one of Taker's final uh, Mania matches and we never got it we but, did not uh, nope. for me I would love to see that it would have been great yeah the build up would have been solid yeah for mm. sure I would have loved that Mac oh Canada mm. oh Canada give me Brett the Hitman Hart versus Chris Jericho 
right. What, know, give me what year of both? Yeah, what are we talking? Probably about? gonna go. I want them both at at the at just past the peak of their physical ability, mm-hmm. because their in ring acumen would be that much stronger. So I'm gonna probably go ninety six, ninety seven, Bret Hart. And probably 2015, Chris Jericho. So we talking right. when you say 97? Are, are we talking heel bread mm. or right before heel bread? Well, see, this is the whole thing, because as I was going back and forth on what this match would probably look like, I don't know who the face would be and who the heel would be. I want to say that I think the the heel would have been Bret Hart, because I could see Chris Jericho proclaiming that, or Bret Hart proclaiming he's the greatest athlete out of Canada. Right. And then Chris Jericho coming in with a little bit of a face there. But I mean, I would probably think it'd be the other way around. I think Brett would be the face and I think Jericho would be the heel. I want to see how they wrestle each other. That'd be money. I want to see what that looks like. Because you know, on the mic it'd be great. But I think inside the ring, because I've always said to you guys Chris Jericho can reverse anything. Yeah, and he's the, that's, he's I, the greatest he, reversal. He's the greatest reversal wrestler of all time mm-hmm. against the greatest technical wrestler of all time. Oh, that'd be crazy. Would just be amazing to watch the story, to watch what the pace of that match would look like, to hear the promos, to feel the heat coming out of it. I uh, That to me is, because I mean, I've outside of Stone Cold, Chris Jericho is my favorite wrestler of all time. And I know him and Brett, even when... Jericho was so far down the card in WCW when Brett was there that it was never going to happen, and and obviously Brett had his health issues, so it never could happen. But give me, give me my the 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 best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be against the 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 best in the world at what he does. Yeah. You know, I'm with that. I dig that. Yeah, that'd be fun to watch. So Mr. Brown, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do something interesting uh, here. First of all, I would love to see. Heel Bret Hart ninety seven against Babyface post nine eleven Kurt Angle. And, and, and right? Oh god. Come right? On. Right? That's just too much, listen, man. Right, right. Too listen, much. Yeah. listen. That was the other match that I had. Even in the drive up here, I was going back and forth. Is it gonna be Angle against Bret Hart or is it gonna be Jericho against Bret Hart? And it wasn't until I opened my mouth and I looked you in the eye and realized it was that Chris. I went with Jericho. And I'm so fucking happy you said post 9 11. See, that, that would be great, but th- I feel like that would be. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, we're all in the same respect, too. Like, that's too much. That's too much. Let's make a ton heat back to get. That's, that's a lot. So, let me give you something creative here that it took on my thought. Babyface 2004 to 2005, Eddie Guerrero against Heel. Today, AJ Styles. I'm with that. That's, All right. That's and you give heel AJ Styles, 1989 Bobby Heenan, as his mouth. Oh, now we're. Oh, <laughs> that's a whole okay. other dynamic. That's a whole I thing with t- right there, right, yeah. right. You know what I mean? Because the matches, the matches, right? They'll tell every story you could possibly tell where Eddie cheats better than the heel, and Bobby Heenan gets frustrated, than the heel, yeah. and then Bobby steals one, and they and Bobby runs him down and gets the heat. You could take that fucking match to every live event across the fucking country, and that's your main event, and you don't need a fucking title, you don't need anything. That's you're just there. And that's just, you know, take it any day. On their worst day, that would be better than most of the stuff you'd see. I agree. That's a yeah. great fucking call. That's awesome. I want to throw one real quick here, because this isn't exactly, it doesn't really go with the rule. 
because it is a, it is a feud that happened. But I would have loved to have seen old man Bret Hart against old man Shawn Michaels. Oh, the end of their end of At their the run. end of the run, you know, around that time that Michaels was having his matches with Taker and with Flair and everything, and just kind of see what that would have looked like of the two old gunslingers facing off again. Oh, I mean, there you couldn't print enough money if you put that match at WrestleMania. Oh no, no, had had. We will we will further discuss Montreal being a work and then what prevented it from being a work or a shoot it was in not the future. A work. But let me tell you, let me tell. You, I'm just here's what I thought as you said it. We we build up to this Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart like those guys five years ago from now, right? Healthy, no post, no no fuck you Goldberg kind of a shit happening to Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels is walking to the ring. He's got his wrist all taped up. Sure, he can still be bald as a motherfucker now. On his way to the ring, all of a sudden, a car hits him. Boom. <laughs> and the brakes screech. And Bret Hart just leans out of the pass. The driver's side says, justice. And then he peels out of here. Justice. Fucking done. Take my money. I'd watch that on fucking repeat. So let me ask you this. <laughs> Lightning round. To wrap this up, because uh, we know this has gone long. What is the single most important feud in the history of wrestling? I'll start. It was Piper and Hogan. The Piper-Hogan feud was the reason we have WrestleMania. Without Red Hot Piper and Red Hot Hogan and Piper kicking Cindy Lauper in the face and Hogan going out on the Saturday Night Live and all of that shit to build up, that match, Mr. T was cool. He was huge. Right? And Paul Warndorf, don't take anything away from Mr. Wonderful and Bob Orton and Jimmy Snuka. But that match is there because you wanted to see Hulk Hogan get his hands on Roddy Piper. WrestleMania happens because of that feud. And without that feud, there might not Hulkamania might have been short-lived. That's my opinion as the most important feud in the history of wrestling. Doc, important, important. <clears throat> Bret and Austin. Listen, we don't get Mr. McMahon. You know, we, so we don't, don't get, get any Austin of these McMahon. things. We don't get what wrestling is today without Bret and Austin having their matches, having everything kind of lead to Bret and, and Sean, and. Uh, I'm going to go with it. Uh, you know, Bretton Austin is the most important because the, the reverberations, like the, the after effects, has affected wrestling for decades since. Since then. That's fair. And we're going to do a whole episode about that. Oh, we're going to do more than in that. In the future. Uh, what's your, what's for me, I think the most that? important is Hogan, Andre the Giant. Nice. I think that's the first big feud that most people remember, and that's what sort of cemented the idea of a long-term feud. I mean... Hogan spent years getting his ass kicked by Andre the Giant. He did. Until he suplexed him. Or body slammed him, whatever. But I, I think that's the most important. It, that's a good call. If, if he suplexed him, I think I'd like Hogan, to see Hogan suplex Hogan's Andre arms the Giant. would have flown off with him. <laughs> I, knew, I knew what I meant. Those things are still going. As soon as it was coming out, I was like, yeah, fuck that up. Just like fucking Sting and NWO. <laughs> Taking it back. Just flubbed it. Mac, most important feud ever. WWF versus WCW. Ooh. The invasion. The invasion. Which job. we are going to fucking do it's, that show and that whole thing. Well, I mean, I even, I'll even go a little pre-invasion. Just the fact that they were both relevant at the same time. You know, wrestling, I think, is at its peak when one is pushing another. The Monday Night War. The Monday Night Wars. I think you need to have... You know, you see when WWE and WWF can be at its greatest is when they need to be innovative, when they need to be light on their feet, when they need to do things out of the box and different to keep people's attention. And when they don't have anybody really competing against them, they don't do that. 
it, it, it really, it, you, you, you see it in wrestling all the time. There are lulls. There are periods of time where you don't really give a shit about who's fighting who, even though you should because there's some great m- matches and some great wrestling going on. But you need to have somebody who's fucking nipping at their heels. Yeah, there's accountability there where it forces you to one-up. Right. And that's why, you know, when when you had WWF and you had WCW and then you also had ECW, because I'll be honest with you, at that point in time, I got more fucking jacked for ECW than I did anything else at that point in time. I just went on a business trip this week and I'm sitting alone in a hotel room like the first time I've been by myself without any member of my family overnight for so long. No pants. No, of course no pants. And I'm like, what am I going to watch? You think I fucking watched... Marvel that I put Disney Plus on. Oh no, I watched ECW Anarchy Rules 1999, <laughs> which fucking opens up with Jerry Lynn and Lance Storm. Ah oh, man, with a bag of Fritos in my hand, it was a fucking time. Yeah. Oh my god. You know that's why that's why I really have hope. Just not that AEW would ever necessarily compete with WWF. I just have hope that they're there. Yeah, it raises just the because game. it Rise gives tide lifts all boats. it gives you an option. It gives you, if, if there are certain wrestlers who are just buried on the WWE card, they have an opportunity to go someplace else where they can get a look and they can grow as a performer and then come back. You know, we started the episode just briefly talking about Cody and, and Seth and how Cody was in a place when he was in the WWE. And just, we all knew he had it. He just, it wasn't there. Guy goes away, starts his own fucking promotion, comes back, and we're fucking eating it all up. Because he's got it. Because he was able to kind of do things a different way. Because there is more than one. There's more than just the WWE's path of becoming a successful wrestler. Roman Reigns probably could have really benefited from that versus just being in the machine to get to where he is now maybe faster. Yeah. Faster than they pushed him. But yeah, that's my thing. Give me WWE versus anybody else. But at that time, it was the WWE versus the WCW. Good answer. That's a hell of an answer. Good answers all the way around. Well, gentlemen, this has gone long, and dear God, I fucking love it. I would split this This into two parts, but but we got something real special coming up next week. Oh, do we have Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on the 49th official episode of Nothing Good. But next week... It's number 50. As Jones has said, it's the WrestleMania of nothing good. <laughs> it's our milestone episode. Uh, and hey, Jones, I forget. Um, What the fuck are we going to talk about? We're going to discuss uh, one of the great action films of all time, all time. so they say. All time. From a cinematic directorial artur. Yeah. From Michael Bay. Fuck you. From Mike Bay. Uh, we're gonna sit down and attempt. That is that is such a fucking dig. <laughs> Holy shit! Mike His teeth are just grinding. You're gonna get a phone Mike call Bay. from somebody. Oh, Jerry Bruckheimer is gonna call you. Shit. We're, we're, we are going to attempt to sit down as adults. Jerome Bruckheimer recording and the try to talk about was it 2005's Mike Bay's 2005's Bad Boys 2 without someone getting punched in the fucking face. (laughs) (laughs) I make no promises, both being not an adult and the one likely to get punched in the face. So, So, yeah, that's what we're doing. That's the likelihood that could happen. Episode 50, I'm really excited to to cover this movie and and hang out with my friends and, 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 and all that. So, that's where we are. Well... Gentlemen, this was fun. Favorite wrestling yes. feuds. I love stuff like this because it gives us ideas on maybe something to tackle in even longer form yeah, than long this. Form. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love but it. we appreciate everyone joining us. Tune in next week as we hit our big milestone episode fifty, and then from there, it's 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 only onward and upward for nothing good. So, any last parting words? No, thanks no. everybody for joining us on 
this journey and a journey of 49 episodes. Indeed. We'll see you next week. Woo! Nothing good. <laughs>